This podcast is brought to you by patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Head there to check out exclusive podcasts like Talking Futurama, Talk King of the Hill, the What a Cartoon Movie podcast, and tons more. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where we're too crazy to go outside but not crazy enough to have imaginary friends. I'm one of your hosts, the super duper recouper, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today as always. Henry Gilbert and my muscular ears can hear you. And this week's episode is The Strong Arms of the Maw. It's all my fault my wife got mugged. There you have it boys, case closed. This episode originally aired on February 2nd, 2003, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, Jennifer Lopez featuring LL Cool J, All I Have is number one on the Billboard charts. The Recruit tops the box office, and very sadly, the Space Shuttle Columbia makes its final flight. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so the first two things, I, this is a time in my life where I'm completely checked out of pop culture, so I, I have no idea what's going on with Jennifer Lopez and who? LL Cool J. Oh, that LL guy. Cool James. Yeah. And uh, it's no. all I want, all I got. All I have. All I have. I, Ooh, look- I, I got every verb incorrect in my guessing. <laughs> I had to look it up too. Like literally, I had never heard of it before. Which is like, you know, the previous Billboard number one I had mentioned a couple times was the Eight Mile song by Eminem. You know, Lose Yourself. That I knew. And soon, Fifty Cent's In the Club is about to be number one. And I know that song too. But yeah, this one completely missed it. I assume if you played it for me, I would think, oh, I've heard this in the grocery store a billion times, or like at the dentist or whatever. But my brain is not reacting to those combination of words. But the recruit. That's something I also don't know. What is The Recruit? Again, I had to look it up. I was like, wait, how is this number one in the box office? And I never heard of it. I mean, I know this is still, you know, it's February at the cinemas. So people are watching fewer things. But also, I was working at the movies when this came out. And even I don't remember it. So I looked it up. It's an Al Pacino, Colin Farrell movie where uh, Colin Farrell is recruited to the CIA and secret agent problems ensue. Oh, that's back when he was a movie star. Got it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pacino, you know, Colin Farrell, you still see him in stuff at times. I mean, he's just about to star in the Penguin series. Uh, that's a Max original. Oh, boy. I mean, it's hard to say if that's good for him or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a lot of fun as the Penguin in the Batman. I thought he was I thought he was having a good time. But again, I'm against skinny, beautiful people being put in fat suits to play a fat guy role. I am against that. And the Space Shuttle Columbia, what was its final mission? Well, I mean, it, it. But that was my nice way of saying it blew up. On oh, the entry. like it was oh. a very tragic. You don't remember that? <laughs> you know what? No, God, yeah. where? What was I doing in the first week of February? I, I remember watching this episode when it went live, but I was paying attention to no other news. This, this, the, the, the show of Columbia blew up. Yes, yeah, okay. it, uh, it, it, it had done many successful missions, but uh, apparently, while leaving orbit, uh, they, uh, they freak accident happened where just like a small hole hit the wing and then they didn't notice it until re-entry which that small hole caused the wing to break apart and then the whole thing fell apart everybody died on it and yeah it was the the end of the columbia on that day Uh, after the challenger i guess i stopped paying attention but i was also i think four when that happened 
Now that seemed like a big deal to me as a kid. My parents taped the news off TV of it because they're like, "Wow, this is a big deal." I think I think also my dad just recently got a VCR, and and actually yes. Well, I know you remember the fourth thing I wrote down, Bob, because it's related to the chalkboard joke as well. But also this week, and I try not to do. I've stopped doing a timeline of our invasion of Iraq. But oh. this week was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, because the chalkboard joke is uh, the school does not need a regime change, in quotes. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this very week is when Colin Powell successfully proved to the world that The Rock definitely had WMDs by bringing a vial of white stuff to the United Nations. And it was definitely true and real. And uh, wait, he's dead now, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. And he died a hero. Yeah, I did. I loved when when he died that the main thing people were talking about about like no let's not paper over this like this guy was a key part of lying to americans to get them to be approve of a genocidal war crime the invasion of iraq yeah it's interesting how his reputation changed from in the late 90s or even the mid 90s people were thinking hmm future president and then he mm-hmm. became the world's most important liar Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think W would have beat a mass murderer whether Colin Powell lied or not. But I think that he made the case. I mean, you could not lie. but he, And of course, I was reading like pieces written after his death about like, you know, what does history say about this? And for Powell, he was like, oh, it was quite a mistake, you know, people. And it's just, it's the usual like, whoopsie. I, I'm saying this because I just listened to old Citations Needed podcast, a great <laughs> podcast about this thing. But the usual thing of like, oh, it always has to be a mistake it's like no you know i wish i'd have known better but whoops like america never intentionally lies to everybody to invade a country it's just like whoops yeah the next time you're in court just say uh i I shouldn't be here it was a mistake Mm -hmm. i goofed Mm -hmm. well (laughs) if you even get a speeding ticket just say like oh you know i didn't measure up to my best selves and my ideals today (laughs) your honor i stumbled into driving drunk it was inevitable Seeing that Simpsons joke about regime change, that's again, it goes like, fuck, what an awful time this was. So, <laughs> like, just uh, so terrible. No apologies to the family of Colin Powell, but apologies to the family of any astronaut who died, even of living causes. I'm sorry I forgot about the Columbia exploding. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I kind of forgot about it, too. It, uh, it didn't, it, you know, it was, it felt... Uh, you know, we were just in the march up to the war. It felt like, oh, well, that's not part of this. Like, I wasn't going to see the recruit at the theaters. I wasn't listening to J-Lo and LL Cool J. I was mainly just focused on uh, how angry I was that we were going to war uh, in a totally preventable situation. But this episode, The Strong Arms of the Maw, a landmark episode because it is technically the 300th episode of The Simpsons to air, (laughs) which means it's not the 300th episode of our podcast, but I guess this means we've covered 300 distinct episodes of the show. But thanks to Fox episode 302 barding over was promoted as the uh, official 300th episode but I think Fox didn't understand enough people were online and counting at this point to mm-hmm. realize this is all a huge lie and, and in barting over there's a, a joke about that like oh really it feels like we've had 302 adventures or something like that <laughs> we'll get to it that's that yeah I guess we'll get into more of that episode but yeah that Al Jean talking about how when this episode aired he had to like basically lie because it's like well no the the entire marketing machine 
scene at Fox is built on celebrating it on the week of February when that episode aired. So that has to be the 300th. And they didn't care if it's like, I mean, they could have just held back, just don't air two episodes and save them for later in the schedule. But that's not how the programming gods wanted it to be. Yeah, they're they're, uh, one big cheat when it came to celebrating milestones on the show, because every 100 episodes, they they do something or they they try to make an episode special. I think episode 666 was a Halloween show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the 750th, they just made a big deal as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, with a, with a, a horrible opening that uh, I'm not a big mm -hmm. fan of. Though it's also funny to hear on the commentary the other writers. There's a lot of writer hijinks on this commentary, but I like hearing the other writers kind of rub it in Omine's face of just like, oh, so technically you wrote the 300th, but you're not getting any bonuses or whatever for the 300th special episode. You don't get any special recognition. They're really rubbing it in. Well, she would go on to work for the show for uh, 20 plus years after that. So I think she's fine. She's doing okay. Still, and, uh, still to this day. Yeah. And very nice to us. Check out our interview with Carolyn Omine. And the pitch started as a different idea that she had so her pitch was she was interested in agoraphobia and agoraphobics and her idea was what if homer was mugged and he became an agoraphobic what would happen then this is when al Jean steps in and says let's make it about marge getting mugged and i think he also brings in the idea of she starts getting buff in order to uh, regain her confidence and, and strength mm -hmm. so we kind of have a different take on the springfield connection where season six springfield connection Marge uh, gets mugged and then she becomes a cop. In this one, Marge gets mugged and she becomes a, a bodybuilder. So you can see yeah. how the two branches split off. And I, and even though uh, Springfield Connection, uh, Marge becoming a cop is now problematic, uh, which Lisa points out in that episode. <laughs> I like that a lot more than than this one. Yeah, it's well, I mean, this third act is is a weak third act, and yeah, and also it like it brings in the stuff of Homer becoming workout buddies with Rainier Wolfcastle even into the first act as well, which is uh, like it's like oh well, you know, the agoraphobia thing is interesting and i think it's i do think omine brings a lot to marge and this is like it almost feels like they're trying to get julie kavner an emmy it's it's so close to a very special episode where like she gets to actually like act as marge in ways she is very rarely asked to do and i think she does a really good job in this episode until the end of the second act i'd say yeah, it has a real third act issue, like you said, Henry, where it suddenly goes into wacky town. It suddenly becomes an episode about uh, steroids and then Marge going Incredible Hulk inside of Moe's. And it does mm. feel like a rewrite. Because I don't know what happened here because it feels like the story reaches its natural conclusion at the end of act two. And I was left thinking, um, even having seen this before, like, oh, yeah, what happens next? And I, I think what insulted me the most is they bring back Ruth Powers and she is so wasted. And, you know, we're also around the same time covering New Kid on the Block where we meet Ruth for the first time. And after having watched that again, I was like, oh, Ruth is such a great character. And I really wish they would have kept her on the show to be a friend for Marge. But they really only used her once more. And then they bring her back just for this, just to introduce a weird plot element to the show. It's such a weird thing that it just felt like. I would, Gene doesn't say it on the commentary, but partially I think that he did the commentary for New Kid on the Block and then they started working on this episode and they're like, hey, remember that character? Like Pamela Reed was really good. And yeah, then she won't return again until season 33. She has a one-off joke there as well about being forgotten as well. 
Yeah, the episode is called uh, The Ways We Was or something. Uh, W-A-Y-Z. Yeah. I think it's about GPS systems or something like that. I have, I have not seen it. I apologize. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's an all right episode. But uh, but yeah, I do think that, but I feel on the commentary that Al Jean was expressing, he also feels disappointed by this third act. Like he never wants to throw the whole show under the bus or say, or put blame on people who aren't himself. So he kind of blames himself, but he's like, you know, this third act, Marge gets really off model. It's weird to look at. And I think we went too far with it. And I also think that like they... There is a gross undercurrent in this in the third act too that I'm sure we'll talk a bit about, but like yeah, it's like it really makes watching the third act hard. Yeah, I think he really steered what could have been a better episode in the wrong direction, and then we get into some of the icky uh, on-brand humor for the early aughts that this show dredges up. And it's also funny, you know, with Omine, we we talked about this some, and I even got new comments from her on that episode. But in the fish episode that we did with Mike Hanford as the guest, she told me the story of how she didn't write the episode but she wa- did get to go to pick up their award for high times magazine for that pod episode and then because she did write this episode she got to win the prism award for anti-drug messaging <laughs> in this episode so in the same year she gets a stony and a prism award and i mean that's that's quite an honor what other writer out there can say that if they touch each other the world ends like in time cop the two different <laughs> awards <laughs> I do think that Omine, and it's funny, like, I I get the feeling she didn't want to be the Marge writer or the writer who writes, like, oh, give me all the women things. But I do think that she brings a realer perspective to this than, you know, say, Matt Selman would have brought to the idea of Marge get, being agoraphobic and mugged, I think. And uh, and her, her suffering, like, they actually want to go to real emotional places for a change and not run from it, which I think was a smart instinct in this episode. Yeah, until until they run from it in Act 3. Yeah, they could only look at it for so long. I mean, again, I'm, I am impressed they even did it for the two acts they do it. Or I should even say... 1.75 acts because the end of act two is also just like an extended they they protect themselves in extended parody let's be at a distance from some of these emotions with a long parody scene but yeah i guess we'll get to that but uh, we'll also speaking of mistakes i think in this episode they start with a big one which is showing us season three animation <laughs> yeah I, I mean even in season 14 this looked like a different universe i, I mean especially now compared to the current show but yeah it, it was a, a very odd choice and this is i think that's why this is the last appearance of ion springfield which is uh, crazy to me that it's been gone for 20 years yeah you know it's so interesting that i mean the thing it's making fun of doesn't exist anymore but then again guys like kent brockman barely exist in uh, the local news is still as scary as ever but ion springfield was invented to be you know especially why the old jokes in this are all about bikini babes it's because it's a fake news magazine that's really like we hired some models and we got to film someplace to advertise it none of the additional jokes they add involve the bikini babes which is the whole point of that extended intro but i think that al Jean maybe remembered like oh yeah later in the show like in season six i think it was on the critic crossover they bring back ion springfield with a couple new jokes in it mm. uh and he's like oh we can do that again that was really funny but in this case it's like season three animation and then some season 14 stuff and the jokes aren't as funny either or i don't feel like they are like i, yeah. I like him washing his car that's all right if but. you were to just present the ion springfield opening and then cut to the living room i would have been more okay with it but the fact that they're inserting new jokes it just it's very jarring it feels wrong to me 
I think he learned from that uh, and, and didn't do it as much afterwards. It's probably because it's our outro music that it really is noticeable to me, but the music's different. Like, they reorchestrated it and sped it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess because they had to account for the, the added clips or uh, the different length, but it's a new orchestration of the of the opening song. And I, I have it in our first clip here, just the end of it, but for some reason, they speed it all up really fast, except for the outro, which they make even longer. <laughs> Like it's actually like stretched out by an extra like three seconds. But uh, but also, yes, in this first scene we have I have to I think season 14, I'm not calling him the MVP, but he does get the most at bats if we're talking sports uh, metaphor. But they are in love with Rainier Wolfcastle this season. He's in so much of this damn show. And it's funny because uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's star is fading uh, uh, temporarily. He'll be the governor of California uh, by the end of 2003. But I think all of these jokes about how he has to sell a lot of his possessions were a reference to the fact that no one wanted to see his movies anymore. And I think they couldn't even predict his future in politics. Oh, no way. But, uh, but yes, let's, let's hear a little of that extended Ion Springfield opening. here with actor Rainier Wolfcastle, who surprisingly has filed for bankruptcy. Rainier, what went wrong? Three divorces in three months. What can I say, Kent? I'm a romantic. But this personal tragedy translates into a good old-fashioned bankruptcy sale. Yeah, everything must go, even the painting of my nana. This was done on her wedding day, or should I say, deading day. Oh, the mighty have fallen. Into my price range. I'm going to go there. Dad, we are there. Woohoo! That's a good joke that you think you're going to see them watching the TV, but they actually just are there. And it means that Homer's insane. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just, he, for, he thinks he's watching television, not at a garage sale. I, I enjoy any any pullout that is a mislead. Like when Homer, uh, you think he's getting uh, therapy, but he's actually at a furniture store. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. No, I so yeah, you're right. They are so they're really mean to Arnold here, which in fact, they have to just make up that he's multiple times divorced and he wouldn't get divorced un, for the until the first time for Maria Shriver in 2021. Like, uh, I, I think mean, they were separated even longer. I'm but. pretty sure at this point he did have illegitimate children. I, I forget how old his illegitimate children are, his bastards, if you will. They're definitely over 20 because uh, I've seen like one of them is starting to become a real influencer of just like his his is bastard 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 and this, yes, this comes uh, at a time we're doing this at a time in which uh arnold mania is upon us because uh, netflix uh has the series fuba you can you can see him in fubar <laughs> and also there is that uh, documentary that he is a big part of that i'm kind of interested in watching it's very much from his point of view of course very biased oh. very pro arnold but there is a very big documentary about him i think it's on netflix yeah, I think Netflix really bought into him. Uh, well, and also like he's this is old news when you're hearing this, but I was just seeing today that he he recorded a WTF with Mark Marin today. So yes, he's, he's yeah, he's hitting the road. Man, what what a what a uh, weird like so Mark Mark Marin went from recording with Chevy Chase to Arnold Schwarzenegger, just like night and day, and they're yeah, both they're both just, like the same age. Isn't it nuts that we went from like you know WTF was like oh it's the best podcast of interviewing comedians who get real and they get real and then I guess it was after Obama that it just became like no this is just like one of the biggest interview podcasts period and he's he's just a a, a top level interviewer Mark Marin is yeah I, I kind of checked out after the Obama thing after it became like celebrity mania I only listened when I wanted to hear Mark Marin try to heal like mend fences and that was back in the oh, era in which every podcast would end with him saying we good we good 
Yeah. <laughs> well, then every other comedian or many other comedians were like, oh, I'll also have my podcast where we uh, hash out real things with each other. I'm just like, God, I don't need every other comedian. Find an angle, but not an angle of rewatching Simpsons, but some other angle than just I'm talking to a famous person mm-hmm. who I've known for a while. Like that's that's just what everybody has. You can tell that Al Jean is back in charge because a lot of alimony jokes from the men's perspective. <laughs> Boy, alimony so expensive for men. How sad that is. Though he also said this was like based on him like going to Shirley Jones's house, house sale when she was selling off stuff. Yeah, and how she wasn't in trouble or, or dying or anything. She just decided, I, I have too much stuff. But the stuff was very Shirley Jones-centric, and Al Jean was like, I don't want a picture of Shirley Jones and Marty Ingalls in my living room. What what, what I do with this? It's a, hey, I'd say that's a conversation starter. If I'm as rich as Al Jean, even with all of his alimony payments, I, w- I would have probably bought it as a dumb purchase. I'm, I'm sure he's bought dumber stuff than that. Dana Gould, he'd buy that in a heartbeat. Oh, absolutely. I would bet he was, yeah. For the kitsch value. For the, I bet he was there. Oh, yes. Yeah. There's, there's no way he didn't go. But yeah, I mean, I've also heard a similar story from a bunch of comedians. I heard a story where they went to like right after Michael Jackson died. They had like a sale of his of his stuff at the Neverland Ranch. And uh, one of them said they only went there trying to find like, oh, maybe in this building I'll find the secret compartment where he hid all his por- his, his child porn. Jesus. And finally pr- prove him evil. But uh, I, I'd be in more out. in the market for the elephant man's bones. <laughs> now that he should, I wonder who ended up with those. You know, I remember a few years ago when there was a Bubbles joke on the show. We saw that Bubbles is still alive and at like an ape preserve, and he's uh, you know pretty much ruined by being a pet. Uh, I think the description alive. was he looks hideous. Yes, yeah. Which yeah, give Bubbles a break, man. Jeez. But yeah, they have also in the background jokes about how Golden Globes are useless and worth no money. And this is before it got exposed again as just like payola, like Golden Globes are bullshit. But uh, also, can you believe they resisted? Like they have a they have like a World War One helmet in there. But I was looking. I didn't see one specifically World War Two Nazi joke in there. The one Nazi joke I flagged is that Lisa is buying original artwork that's priceless. So my uh, my own thinking was he must have some ties to uh uh, Nazi paintings, you know, Nazi painting hordes or whatever. Where he's a, he's as rich as a Nazi, as Mr. Burns would say. Right. Okay. Yeah. I. You're right. I think that's as close as they get. And again, I think there's a few times in this episode where there's some ADR changes that I do feel like Matt Groening or someone else sh- showed up to say like in 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 favor of good taste and block some lines. And there's only one deleted scene on this DVD, even though there's several times I was like, wait, there's definitely a DVD there, or there should be another scene here, but. There's also a joke about buying Play Dude centerfolds. I'm glad they keep to the continuity of Ned saying Play Dude, because in this universe, there is no play. Well, actually, there is a Playboy because Hefner's on the show. But, right. <laughs> um, but they use Play Dude, which is their usual stand in for Playboy magazine. And Rainier Wolfcastle is a human trafficker, apparently. But the women are, are on, bo- they're on board. They're, they don't mind getting to Mo's trunk. Yeah, that's a uh, boy. I kind of wish I'd have seen a scene where they escape from Mo. I'd rather they Mo not own these women, <laughs> or, uh, or Mo maybe Mo is doing something very uh, innocent with them. You know, sure, sure. That's that's the kind of joke they do with Mo, an innocent <laughs> thing about owning women. But again, these all these Playboy Mansion jokes, and it's going to be uncomfortable when we get to the James Con episode too. But like the, that Secrets of Playboy documentary, it's full of like very dark things that were happening in that Playboy Mansion. Playboy Mansion jokes not so funny these mm-hmm. days. But you know what is funny? Um, <laughs> Scratching your ass with a uh, robot hand. 
Well, I was going to say sword canes. Those are cool. They're, they're not even funny. I just like sword canes. They're neat. Did you know that you can't buy them in California? They count as a concealed weapon. Uh, you know, uh, frankly, they should. Yeah. I mean, they are meant to, they are literally concealing a weapon. They're a fake sword. But If I can't I, fly with a Swiss army knife, uh, no one can have a sword cane, period. I was looking it up on online. There's many... Um, insane people on on weapons reddits who were saying like well can i have a sword cane or not and some were saying like well it's technically a concealed weapon but of course go to any state where you that have concealed carry laws and you can probably still walk around with it but you know what some cop might just arrest you anyway if they are one said this was a crazy insight into this world of like you know what if you're going to try to claim self-defense if you use your sword cane they're going to hold it against you because they're like nobody buys a sword cane for self-defense there so we <laughs> don't believe your self-defense claim yeah i guess it's uh it's not it's not readily accessible for self-defense you have to really do a lot of planning to unsheath that thing mm -hmm. but there's so many cool guys with sword canes like tuxedo mask and zatoichi and uh, hans mole man <laughs> he's got a great sword cane i think in real life they're not as practical as they look in the movies in tv shows in anime i bet it's pretty hard to unsheath yeah I'd, uh, but yeah, I mean, also Homer seemingly died and was resurrected between the two scenes. Like this is, I'm shocked they didn't have it actually sticking out of him in blood going everywhere. It, it is a good reaction. What do I do now? Because he, <laughs> he ate the sword pie. There was clearly a sword protruding through his, his midsection and then perfectly fine between uh, breathing comfortably, as Marge would say. There's also the sword sharpener, the sword sword sharpener. And I, I got to check a lot of that. But yeah, you're right. That, that cyborg hand. That's just that Rainier was in Terminator in this world then, right? Because that's the that's the arm from Terminator in Terminator 2. And one of the things that they buy is basically a Terminator head, a Rainier Wolfcastle Terminator head at this estate sale. I'm so glad they didn't just make it Arnold like they did in the goddamn movie. I mean, I complain about this every time I think about it, but I really hate that it's Arnold as the president in that movie. Dumb move. Them playing to the lowest common denominator. A mistake. And but, it just uh, immediately became dated. I mean, it was already was. Yes, yeah, I did. I do like Carl saying that he's gone Hollywood when Lenny scratches his ass with it. Uh, so Arnold never did do porno early in his life, but he did do like a Playboy travelogue, which we did see at the Found Footage Festival, where some might say that you could allege that Arnold is committing assault on women and groping them in that video from uh the, do you, re you remember that from the x-rated found footage fest we saw oh uh you know there were so many hor horrifying videos that that's something i don't remember it was him going to brazil and he yes, goes on yeah. stage with a couple topless dancers and um he crosses some lines i'll say i don't you know it's uh it's, it was pretty gross to see but that's the closest to porno that arnold did they could be referencing but, uh stallone though right because he did a, like a oh, like a yeah. softcore porn i think it was called like a night at kitties or something and it was uh and then right. after he became famous it was they I, they didn't want to say his name or i guess that he didn't want uh they didn't want him to sue them so it's like starring the italian stallion or whatever i don't know there's more that's to the story right. i wasn't looking up yeah. stallone softcore porn for this episode by the way <laughs> that was henry's job hey well, yeah sorry i didn't i'm sure at some point i have said to myself all right what did stallone's dick look like back then anyway because i well because i was listening to one podcast recently where they were talking about how like bruce willis shows his penis in a movie color of night i believe it's called and i did go like all right well what did his dick look like like i kind of you know if you hear that information you want to you want to know sometimes, okay sometimes security gets curiosity gets you for all of our pervert listeners don't correct me in the comments the the <laughs> movie was called the party at kitty and studs okay. so there you have it and it was <laughs> it was re-released as italian stallion after he became famous 
That's what I thought it was called. Something like the stallion something. But okay. That, uh, though the implication here is that Arnold only, or sorry, Rainier only did gay porn before he was famous. <laughs> I just like any of these hetero, what's there is there. That's, <laughs> that's an all right line. Uh, and then, yeah, I, they then show his original weight set, which is like in the center of his bedroom, but covered in dust. Like that doesn't make sense. Why, why would it be covered in dust, but in the middle of his bedroom? It's, it's, uh, I guess it's just an odd keepsake. He has better workout equipment now and that just what that's just what he used to get buff originally i don't know isn't that shaking muscles thing pretty weird too like that it's a weird i mean i guess you you know your muscles kind of shake if they're that big sure but i don't know it's just a strange yeah the simpsons will be right back do fat girls get your heart racing? Then Fox will pump you up when Marge starts bodybuilding. Look at my arms! Get ready for The Simpsons on steroids. She can go on Fox Celebrity Boxing. I hope she can do better against Tanya Harding than Krusty. I was promised Scott Hamilton! The Simpsons, all new part of a full hour at 8, Fox Sunday. Welcome to the break, everybody. It's Henry Gilbert, a.k.a. the man who shot Liberty Valance. And a big thank you to you for listening this week as me and Bob do this as our full-time job for listeners like you who support us at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Did you know this is our full-time real job? It's not a night thing. We do it all the time because of supporters like you who go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons to pledge today. You get to hear next week's episode now and without ads like this one plus you get over 150 patreon exclusive podcast at your fingertips including each month a brand new episode of talking futurama and talk king of the hill us covering futurama and king of the hill just as in depth as we do an episode of the simpsons you can hear all of our episodes up to season four of futurama and season three of king of the hill if you sign up today as well as us covering every episode of the critic every episode of mission hill and many of our favorite episodes of batman the animated series you are missing out on so many things at that $5 level head over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons today to check it all out because it is so easy to sign up and get those files But if you want something even nicer than a recreation of a full minute of The Godfather, then you need to head on over to the premium level of patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Ten bucks a month gets you everything I just mentioned. And then you also get our monthly premium What a Cartoon movie podcast where we talk about an animated feature film as in-depth as we do The Simpsons. Like just last month, we covered for four hours the 1986 anime classic Project Aiko. There is so much interesting history to that classic film, both for Japanese fans and for international fans as well. The month before that, we got into the spooky season with Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. And this month, we're about to start off the holidays right with The Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes, we're slightly breaking format, but we love doing that for our favorite felt pals, The Muppets. So if you want to hear us talk about all of those movies and a five-year back catalog of what a cartoon movies, including our longest one ever, six and a half hours about who framed Roger Rabbit, we cover everything from Akira to a goofy movie Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse to Beavis and Butthead do the universe it's all right there at your fingertips patreon.com slash talking simpsons check it out today
I think it's just a natural extension of the making your pecs bounce kind of thing, except he can do that with all of his muscles. But I do like the jello sounding foley on the jiggling muscles. <laughs> that is funny. I did like that. Yeah, and this this is when Homer buys some weights, and then we have gamer comedy oh, on The Simpsons. This this kind of shocked me to come from The Simpsons, although at this point, Tetris for the Game Boy, which is what they're referencing, was 14 years old. But they get the music correct. They even get like the little game over jingle correct, too. So, hey, Al Jean is talking about on the commentary. It's the one video game he really got into. And I think <laughs> another writer on the commentary said the same thing. So they don't really interact with gaming as much as the Futurama writers did. I mean, they also in season three production season three that's when they put in the game boy into the show when homer's playing the bowling game so definitely game boys were were in the offices then but here homer uses his tetris skills hey your early porno movies oh wait are any of these hetero what's there is there you got any junk that'll go up in value after you die right this way <sighs> my first weight set the weights that changed you from a Bavarian cream puff to a mass of twitchy muscles? <laughs> they know you are talking about them. I'll take it. Who's up for coconut oil? There's no way all this junk is going to fit in that car. No, don't worry. This is what all those hours of playing Tetris were for. I would guess they didn't pay to use that, right? Because it's a it's a classical piece and they just made their own version of it. Yeah, unless they, I mean, uh, there's some legal issues when you want to use the gaming version of it, which is just considered an original version for some legal purposes. But yeah, I don't, I, I'm not sure what the issues were. It's not, I mean, they don't say, you know, license music things in the in the credits, but yeah, who knows if they had to pay for that. And now the story of Tetris was a, a film, even the story of how it came to America, which I'm sure was full Full of uh, of many inaccuracies. Well, I've heard I've heard the Michael and us podcast on it, and like the Russians are basically in the movie, they're kind of just out of bullwinkle. Like in in Russia, we have no blocks to rotate. They just <laughs> they just portray Russia as just a uh, uh, like a, a godless, emotionless gray land, and uh, it just uh, it's a very like really old school portrayal of the country. They were shocked by it's like did did a boomer write this? Well, I mean, you know, because well, Russia's been an official enemy of us for a while again and part of that is you know we've seen when people try to and and putin is a bad person i will say that again if people think i'm trying to defend him I, he's a bad person so. well hey you know i'm in canada now and uh the russia hatred is so strong they're like uh, hey let's get a nazi on stage to talk Let, let's commend this guy he hates russia too i know you know biden didn't get on stage with any ss officers <laughs> but uh but yeah but but anyway on the russian thing like the the way most american liberals who like write movies know how to hate russia is just warmed over communism red scare stuff when it's like but that's not what russia is now you can't they're not commies anymore you know it did sound like that movie was just like the plot of it was let's save tetris from these horrible godless people and get it to a place where it can make billions of dollars for for people and, and we can sell it to many 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 people but I, I was a tetris game boy addict as were my parents and uh mm -hmm. I, I had the original game boy with the tetris so that that was kind of like my first puzzle game and i think most people's first puzzle game honestly i've had bouts of tetris mania in my life since then and like that uh, especially the the tetris DS game I played so much of that and I did you know I guess I still could play it I haven't picked it up in a while but for uh for uh, like 
a couple years, I would regularly check in on uh, Tetris 99. And oh. I did all right in it. I'm not the best at it, but I did okay. I mean, this sounds ridiculous, and I thought it was until I got it as a gift and tried it, but the Tetris Effect, the VR Tetris game, you don't have to play it in VR. It's on other platforms now, but it's amazing. It's incredible, uh, and you don't have to be high to play it and enjoy it. You know, I should have played that more. I did play it at least for like 10 hours to get uh to see every song in it but yeah tetris effect is awesome like so you've got tetris 99 which is like the most heightened form of competitive tetris and then you've got tetris effect which is just like the vibiest version of tetris to just chill out and maybe or maybe not be high while playing it but it's also funny in this bit uh, the way they draw Lisa, especially all bent as a Tetramino, is uh, it's really weird. Yeah, the entire family. Yeah. I guess I guess only Marge's hair is bent in this scene. Well, also it does cause some problems though for the overseas animators because there's a few scenes where after the Tetra scene is done, the blocks in the car should go back to normal. But there's a couple scenes, including the last shot of the act, where they still draw it as the colorful blocks. They and they they goofed it up there. Oh yeah, but, uh, and I, I guess when you're when you're cramming things together in Tetris, they disappear. So I wish there was a joke about that happening in this reality but homer gets left behind because he doesn't fit in the car so he can't be there to protect her as a man must in the next scene but also you know with the idea of homer being disgusted by marge's body later in the episode maybe don't have a joke about how much he loves being held by a giant <laughs> muscular man you know yeah i enjoy the homer eroticism of this scene where he goes your heartbeat is so soothing so i guess uh, rainier walks homer in this giant snuggly all the way home, and yes, they make sure to get in a bit of calling Rob Schneider ugly, just to let you know, which, uh, you know, I the last time I saw Rob Schneider's obviously become, uh, well, I think he always was a conservative comedian, but, you know, he hasn't gone like full Jim Brewer, but he definitely is uh, more of a friendly to mega comedian, because he doesn't get to be in movies anymore. Yeah, but I, the I, last believe, time I believe he canceled his Canadian dates because of that uh, Nazi incident I spoke of earlier. Oh, really? Damn, I didn't know that. And I, the last time I heard about him was when I watched the Mark Twain Award for Adam Sandler, which was a lot of his old buddies, including Conan, all doing jokes about him. And there's some fun, fun Adam Sandler stuff. But it was like how they did it on the Comedy Central roast, where they invite somebody there just to have every person make fun of that guy during their bit. And it, Rob Schneider was that guy. It is like, all right, oh, and hey, time to make fun of Rob Schneider. It is just telephized bullying, but. But uh, I'm for it. When it's Rob Schneider, especially, but also it's like, uh, yeah, he's he. It, it reminds people that he still exists. You know, but. you say he's not gone full Jim Brewer. I'm looking at his tweets now, uh, and I'm seeing, uh, you know, quote retweeting Elon Musk, a quote retweeting moms for liberty. I mean. <laughs> Okay, I, then he has gone full Jim Brewer. I was being yeah, too nice. Yeah, yeah you really right. were. I think Jim Brewer really <laughs> capitalized on the stand-up conservative market first before he could. Rob Schneider should have more money stocked away, though. And it, clearly, because he was at that, that event, like, he's still friends with Adam Sandler. He's getting the Adam Sandler money, you know? He's getting the uh, the Happy Madison paydays. But yeah, then Al Jean even says, like, boy, they really crossed a line here where they decided to have the first time they do a joke about Maggie having a stinky diaper. Yeah, it's the first time character on screen acknowledge maggie shit and how bad it smells oh fudged her huggies that that and, is revolting uh, but you know hats off to whoever thought of that line perhaps carolyn omine but that that <laughs> did make me just uh wince a little bit though the word fudge is is disgusting uh, even in reference to the actual uh sweet which i don't like i don't i'm not a fudgeman you know i can eat a couple 
by uh, one square of fudge will do me for a while because it's just it's the density of that fudge and now if i ever get offered fudge i mean also too you just have to throw it out of your mind that like this has nothing in common with bodily waste this is just delicious fudge i'm eating but i need nowadays i need like some mint in there i can't just have straight up fudge to me it just you ruin chocolate you made chocolate too sweet and uh get it away from me and it, it, it's like it's extra messy too it's it's everything oh yeah they just made it, everything about chocolate worse and, that, and then it sounds like shit. Yes, yeah. Fudge. Fudge. Also, I like that Lisa's literal with her saying, like, don't try to pin this on me, sister. <laughs> like, but so Marge has to run into the Quickie Mart. Uh, Apu is being, is, this feels like old Apu, who's just like, no, I'm a I'm a businessman first, and there's no no bathroom for employees. Now, I I had, uh, I don't know if you ever had this at, uh, uh, like, say, at your GameStop job, Bob, of people coming in and wanting to use a restroom when you don't have restrooms there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, no, it's like, I can't let you into the back room where all of our inventory is to use the bathroom. I'm sorry. Go to the Burger King across the way or just, you know, you don't have to go very far in the mall to find a bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exactly like in my video store I worked at. That was the only time I had it of just saying, well, you know, no, the bathroom's for employees only because it was in the back room and you had to escort people to it. Like they could steal. Uh, but also the funniest thing was the couple times I did it where a person like Marge is begging for like, you know, you know, they're not actually planning to steal or they probably aren't because it's a parent with a, a kid doing the pee pee dance and they just got to go. But the, the the punishment awaited them because the bathroom door in our video store in the mom and pop video store in Berkeley, I worked at to walk to the back. You have to walk by the porno section. And so your children will see some very <laughs> lewd covers to porno tapes when you walk back out of there. And that's just you know what? That's again, we you you begged me to let you in this bathroom. Bathroom, so you're gonna have an uncomfortable conversation now it's better they learn that filth from you in the video store that's uh i tried to save him it you know and then but then there was also there were a couple guys who we took pity on them once and let us let them use the bathroom and then they just kept thinking like no no i can use the bathroom whenever i come here come on you let me do it before and uh, eventually especially if they were a regular enough guy i'd just be like whatever just use it you know just, not as yeah, much of an issue in the magical world of canada where i live today i i really noticed that uh the bathroom police are not as active in this country where very seldom do I encounter a code or a key and I, I see public restrooms everywhere and I don't smell piss as much as I did in my old city <laughs> so there you have it folks people need to, people need bathrooms you got well, they should buy a house yes <laughs> or or go to the workhouses yes <laughs> um, are there no piss uh, houses <laughs> well Marge gets sent to a crack house uh, which then we see that she gets turned she i guess she go comes back from that because the joke is that even in the crack house you have to be a customer to use a bathroom but uh, only only crack when, smokers can can use the bathroom <laughs> i i mean also i was just witness to this the other day when i went to the ups store to ship something uh i saw a helpless parent come in of like can i use the bathroom and just the person who was running the cash register just i think without even making eye contact i was like panera bread across <laughs> panera bread they got it go there <laughs> but yeah then Marge is let in there. We, I, I do love the joke that uh, oh, d d tell everybody that high voltage warnings are all fake. Like, they, like try opening every door that's 
says it. Uh, one, one thing we missed is someone has a real axe to grind with India in this season because I forget, we're recording so much in advance because we're going to be traveling. There's a joke where Homer eats a bunch of food samples and then he ends up eating men's slacks and he says, oh, better than Indian food. And now we have uh, Apu saying, you know, that's the worst thing I ever smelled and I'm from India. So who who is uh, so mad about India? What the hell is going on with their anger at Indian food? I mean, it feels even worse. Like, okay, in that one, we talked about how, like, well, the show wants you to go, like, man, Homer's right, Indian food, that's crappy. But this feels even meaner than it, like, an actual Indian says, I hate Indian food, or at the very least, this smells like shit. I'm telling you, it smells like shit, and this smells worse than that. Or just India in general is, is stinky, which, you know, yeah. uh, there's a lot of poverty in India, I understand, but uh, I, I would say it's not their fault if you look at the history of mm. India. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, and, and, and I've learned a lot about the history of India that I've watched RRR, the film, and that's the same as reading a book, yes. in my opinion. Run, Ronnie, run. <laughs> okay, but now we come to the big moment of the episode, which they, they play very real, which is, uh, which is pretty uh, gutsy on their part, I think, honestly. Like, and I'm glad they did, though. Like, this could have been, been like the joke when Marge becomes a cop, where it, this could be Snake and they could make it a joke. But they make up a guy instead, a brand new character, and and he's not funny. It's just, like, scary. It's just a scary moment. I guess the one funny element is that he's wearing a Disneyland goofy hat, which uh, was going to pay off in some way that they're not very clear about on the commentary. But that's just the one little weird, uh, surreal touch to him. I mean, I do kind of like that of just, you know, if... Uh, when a traumatic event happens to someone, you'll remember every detail of it. And sometimes it's not all scary things. Sometimes it's just something weird or it could like ruin goofy hats for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, which maybe, maybe they cut a joke where Marge beats up somebody with a goofy hat. Again, not in the deleted scenes, but, uh, but yes, I guess here, let me play the, the clip real quick here. There's a happy baby, aren't you? Aren't you? Give me your purse. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Shut up. That's not a purse, it's a diaper bag. What? It, it looks like a purse, that's why I bought it, but it's really Shut a- Shut up! Fine, I'll just take this. Come on, Mom, let's go. Mom? Are you okay? <laughs> oh, very real act break. You would not uh, you, I, you would not see where the show goes after this based on this act break. But I will say, <laughs> yeah. so I was mugged five years ago on a night much like this. And the one thing they get really right is uh, when you are mugged, I don't recommend it. Uh, try to avoid it if possible. Leave, leave America if you live there. It's very likely to happen there. But... Uh, the one interesting thing is that like all of the rules you have been taught about interacting with people are just out the window. You like you're trying to like make this exchange without getting hurt and you're not really sure what to say and uh, you're trying to reason with them in some way or but they just are like shut the fuck up hurry up give me all the things and it's like oh don't take my luggage they're just closing that you don't want that and they just take it anyways so I feel like like all the rules you know about social interactions are just gone and that is like, kind of shocking in the moment even more than getting your things stolen and then you realize like all of the laws of property I have absorbed over time they're out the window if someone has a gun in your face well like well you know I guess that laptop is yours and I guess the switch is yours. Uh, I'm happy I uploaded my save games, but you know, you have fun with that. Ugh. 
Man, that was I. Uh, yeah, that that was a very rough time for you, Bob. I felt uh, that. Yeah, I I remember that. Uh, I was I saw you the very night it, it happened, and you were uh, you were you were shaken as uh, not unlike Marge in this episode. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, and I, and I will say it, it did. I w- did not become agoraphobic, but I did not go outside alone at night uh, for a long time because of just uh, the trauma of having experienced that, and just like it did make me for at least a few years, maybe like two or three years, have to like analyze everybody coming towards me down the sidewalk unfortunately but it just uh, I was like oh I didn't know this threat existed and I'm all constantly aware of you know incoming threats and people that could possibly want to hurt or, or rob me so I, I, I did start living a little safer you know when I go out I only carry like one card with me just just in case I get robbed or whatever but now I'm in Vancouver and I can only be stabbed here so you just try to pull a knife <laughs> on me I'm gonna run you can throw that knife but I'm going to be weaving back and forth and screaming. So uh, good luck to you out there. And I know there are zero guns in Canada, so don't try it. <laughs> Unless American brought a gun there. No, I mean, the yeah. Well, also, like, well, speaking of guns, too, your reaction afterwards was not to, like, get a concealed carry permit and walk around with, like, a Glock all the time ready to shoot the next person who might rob you. Yes, I was like, oh, no, I hate guns more than ever. I never want to see another gun. There's nothing fun about them. And when, when Marge talks to the cops, they're actually friendlier than the cop was to me. The cop that I dealt with really was just like the affect I got was this is a huge waste of time I am just here as an arm of the insurance industry to give you the I've got stolen I I was robbed ticket and you just hand that to them and they can help you out but I mean obviously my personal items were not insured for theft I don't even know how that it's possible to do that but I had a GoFundMe and I was able to replace everything rather quickly it was very difficult to replace things like passports and IDs and stuff but that all got replaced but I had a happy ending but uh, most people are not mildly successful podcasters that have an audience that will fund them if this happens so i feel very fortunate in that respect it was great to see the support that came for you and and yeah i mean you know i was living in the same area it did make me a little more worried as well now now i've i don't have an i was mugged story as well though but uh, it did i got a little scared too like oh that happened to bob maybe i shouldn't walk at night as much either or definitely my husband was like okay that happened to bob so you know be a little more careful yourself and don't i definitely stopped i stopped taking the train home from the airport as much hmm. after after that one uh, yeah i yeah. pretty much never do that uh yeah by the way element of my story was i was taking the train home from the airport and i was walking home with my luggage like basically a five minute walk from the train station and that's where it happened yeah it's right i mean in, in the same here for marge that it happens you know at the quickie mart where she goes all the time and it's such a and it also does make sense that that's where a robber would be because it's robbed all of the time so that kind of makes sense <laughs> but yeah all of the jokes I, about a poo being robbed are are funny but then when it happens to someone like marge you're like oh this is now it's getting real but now Apu expects to be robbed yeah and he even like i mean they always cut through the tension of like Apu saying like uh you know every bullet wound is a mark of uh, is a badge of honor or also that he's like ooh, they use nylon rope this time almost sensuous like he's not traumatized at all about it yeah uh, and like uh he, the these ceiling mirrors and surveillance cameras show me more than who's about to shoot me yeah i mean if you instead saw a scene where after Apu got like shot say for defending james woods he if he just like sobbed of like i don't want to die i don't want to die like that wouldn't that's not funny <laughs> that would just be traumatic and and same here like they choose to not make a joke like bart could say a funny line here but instead it just feels so real the way he goes like mom mom like when you know i've 
again, th- nothing like this happened to my mom, but just this moment of like, hey, come on, mom, what's wrong? And then your mom starts crying or you just see this side of your parents you never see. And it, it can be disturbing in those moments. And and yeah, that just that a scene ends with just March sobbing in the car. And then also it goes from like her. She's just so happy. She's like so nice with Maggie of like, who's a happy baby? And then boom, a gun in her face. Like it, it's a very traumatic scene. Yeah, my, my uh, the, the end of my story is I uh, was coming back from Vancouver and my current wife Nina and I had just started our relationship and I was very happy. So I was also hit with a, a change of emotion, a sudden change of emotions uh, on that walk home. <laughs> Uh, it was it was a rough time but uh, yeah i mean but you also bob uh, you didn't get the workout bug did you from the uh not real no no not like getting stronger i mean i i, I was regularly going to the gym at that point but uh i could not run a bullet so mm-hmm. especially yeah. with all my luggage <laughs> oh and also too Marge getting her pearls ripped off which they do not make like a Batman reference which I'm glad again they just take any reference or distance out of that but also yes it feels like a you know nothing Obviously, this whole thing is horrible that happens to Marge, but it's not like, you know, the pearls being ripped off her is symbolic of a worse thing. Like, it is a stripping of her identity, too. Like, that she that she loses the pearls that she always has. It does make her look like a, a different character, like, just weaker and changed by it. Yeah, there's the sort of, like, nakedness to Marge when you're used to her having the thing constantly always on her neck. Yeah, which I feel like that's another reason it's so weird when she becomes gigantic at the end of the episode that she also doesn't have the pearls on her neck either. So it's it looks even weirder for that reason. Yeah, but but seriously, Julie Kavner, she never gets asked to do this kind of stuff. So much of the time it's just her doing jokes about baking or whatever yes. or being worried about Homer or being being very chipper about uh, her husband being cruel to her. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so in the next scene, again, it's the useless cops. Yeah, and then but you, like you said, Bob, they couldn't even pretend to care when it was yeah. for you. And they found nothing either. I mean, if I could read the cop's brain who was talking to me, I'm sure he was thinking, hey, call me back when you're a bank with a broken window. I don't have time for this shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I, I again, I had a thing. I The closest interaction I had to this with the police was somebody at my old apartment complex kept stealing mail like the mail would be dropped off like big packages would be just be left on the outside and they get taken and i lost like uh i bought my mom some really nice like um vintage glassware uh, that cost me like 80 bucks and it was just gone like and no replacing it couldn't get the money back and i would have just let it go but the the they wanted to report it to the cops, the landlord. So later a cop, like two years later, a cop called me Jesus. and said like, hey, so we finally sentenced this guy to like years in prison. We found he was a guy who stole your stuff. And I was like, man, I, uh, this guy needs help. He did not. The, the guy told me like, if you even wanted to try to get 70 bucks back from him, I don't think you're going to get it. And I was like, well, no, I don't. I mean, he's got enough problems. Like, so that was just like an extra sad thing to it. So I feel even bad for the guy who stole the stuff I was going to get my mom because I was like, well, his life is probably pretty shit and just got 10 times shittier. Yeah, and it, it's it's very true. It's like, um, uh, we can punish somebody and not help you. Is that okay? <laughs> yes. That's in we our might, budget. Our him- budget does uh, allow for punishing people, and the amount of money they're going to spend to put him in jail is way more than the 70 bucks of 
items he took from you. And hey, we might accidentally kill him, wink, <laughs> wink, while we do it. And, and we got a license to kill. Yeah, this, uh, I mean, it, uh, but yeah, there's there's some good stuff here with Wiggum that he doesn't want to tell Eddie or Lou who his best guy is. I like that. But uh, there is a bit of this from, this is very husband perspective of like, oh, if only I was there to protect my wife as a man must in, in Homer's uh, kind of guilt here. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But uh, yes, then Marge heads out. She's given a mace uh, and a guide on how to kick uh, Ned in the crotch. Uh, but this is when Marge lashes out. Wait, Marge. I don't want you to leave the house without this. Emergency whistle, pepper spray, and this map of the most vulnerable parts of a man's body. Why is it Ned Flanders? Oh, like I'm going to kick Chief Wiggum in the groin. Okay, Marge, you can do this. You've done it a thousand times before. Hi, Mrs. Simpson. <laughs> oh, no, I pepper sprayed Ralph. <laughs> Even my boogers are spicy. Sorry. <laughs> Let's go home. There's nothing dangerous there except for the electrical wiring. <laughs> you know, uh, Ralph, we need you to taste those boogers before we know. I mean, oh, inaccurate. God. You know, the they wanted to at least have a joke in this one because they could have played this as real as they did the end of the act because, yeah, it's like Marge at it. Like, this is a sad thing, too, that, you know, hurt people hurt people. And this is Marge. Marge, Har I guess because it's Ralph. Ralph, uh, it's like water off his back. He forgets everything. But th if this were a real person, this would be horribly traumatizing to a child to be maced by an adult woman. If, if you mace Martin or Milhouse or Ralph, it'll be okay. I was shocked later in this episode that Marge doesn't like beat Millhouse up in that scene. I, <laughs> oh yeah, I feel yeah. like there's a draft where that happens. It, 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 now it feels lacking to me. But Millhouse should be concussed by the end of that scene. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that Marge drives off. I, I also think in this episode they don't have their best editor working on it because there is some ADR in here where the mouths are just all wrong, entirely wrong, including this like, I wonder what the original joke was when she says nothing else scary there, but electrical wire. Like, but I think that again, there's all this isn't the deleted scene that's on the DVD either. Marge has on a trench coat. It must be for a joke because she arrives home without the trench coat. I I am thinking sorry. I am thinking that after the quickie mart, Marge goes to a different place and there's some joke of her freaking out there and she loses her trench coat. But and that would explain why the trench coat is gone in the next shot. But it's just it's weird. It's, yeah, I it's mean, just weird. Usually if the character is wearing some sort of odd clothing item or uh, atypical clothing item, it, it would link to like something they would cut yeah, or they had yeah, cut rather. That's my guess there. But so Marge rushes home. She runs over the nicest mailman in the world. Um, and then, I mean, to this anxiety fantasy, I do think Pete Michaels and his team did a really good job animating it. It does look, I mean, it's, I do wish they didn't give a joke line to the robber. I think he should only be scary, not funny. But I do like that the imagined girlfriend is laughing that she just throws the <laughs> necklace in a drawer at night. The, the cheap girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Marge is no, it'll tangle. Marge is more worried about like the state of the stolen item, which I, it feels like uh, she the, the thief got like half of that necklace, right? Yeah, yeah. Also, as previously established in the cat burglar episode, she has a whole ball of them, and they're all priceless too. <laughs> yes. Now I will say this next joke could have been good, but they didn't have the confidence. Uh, they really want you to know what they're doing here, and that's when uh, a good joke turns bad. So yeah. It doesn't need to be Twilight Zone magazine, right? No, like, my my any book. My thing is 
that could it could have ended there picking up twilight zone magazine the glasses fall off the scene's over but then it has to give us the twilight zone theme and uh. the twilight zone camera angles those two items at the end just make they're, they're treating me like i'm stupid which i don't like and just mm-hmm. like no i got it it's like one of the 10 things you can reference in the twilight zone thank you i i, I was good with the glasses <laughs> and the magazine but also twilight zone magazine that is a real uh obscure reference because i was looking at like when did this thing uh when was it published and it was only 1981 to 1989 and it's one of those anthology fiction magazines that a few of those still exist like the Alfred Hitchcock magazine and the Ellery Queen mystery magazine those are both published uh, like at least six times a year or quarterly and they're always in the like the puzzles section but they're just anthologies of stories <laughs> oh, that's cool I didn't know that I I would guess at least a few Simpsons writers had uh, subscribed to that Twilight Zone magazine in their 20s which would be in the 80s uh, I, I mean yeah I, I think you're right they hit it to on the nose especially when in the past simpsons would make a twilight zone reference and they'd at least trust like everybody knows this episode it's probably i mean is there other than is there an episode that people know more than time enough at last of of twilight zone like i I feel like it is the most famous one i mean uh, it's unfair to make this comparison maybe but futurama did the best one before this so you really can't top the guy saying oh i have a backup pair those break too well i've got my contacts his eyes fall out just (laughs) That's the best version of that joke. You can't really do better than that. Yeah, it's also funny hearing Gene talk about that it was the one his mom always mentioned, like that she always brought it up. And and, uh, Algie's mom just passed away recently. She was in her 90s. Yeah, his dad passed away recently and his mom just passed away. Uh, What will happen to the hardware store? (laughs) They were long-living Detroiters. They're Michigan. They were strong Michigan people. Algene had a cute post about his his mom's passing saying that, like, you know, she she was almost a nun and he's happy she wasn't because he'd (laughs) never been born. But, uh, yeah, she seemed like a fun lady. But, uh, but yeah, to know, I mean, I think Time Enough at Last is definitely the the one my mom, uh, she, my mom is a big Twilight Zone fan. That's probably why I watched a lot of twilight zone in my youth as well and maybe maybe the man on the wing is a more famous twilight zone than time enough at last maybe time enough at last is one of those ones where you don't really learn a lesson and there's no uh, moral quality it's like wasn't that weird pretty fucked up right <laughs> this guy shouldn't like glasses so much shouldn't he yeah it's uh yeah i well and also like burgess meredith is such a memorable part of that too like he's he's such a great actor so then Marge locks herself in the house. She she can't stand to go outside. It's funny, nobody, I guess if somebody suggested that she get um, psychiatric help, then it just t- turns into the fear of flying episode. But she really should be seeing somebody for this this is a mental illness she needs to see a professional not not be diagnosed by dr hipper yeah not being given a movie to scare her outside isn't that also just the joke from fear of flying except in that one it's like real movies of alive and and all that but yeah i guess we don't actually hear the movies uh a clip from the movies but uh, and they're all real movies instead of the woman who died in her home now that sounds like a movie that we hate movies is covered in their lifetime movie series right yes uh they're they're working their way through all the stalked by my doctor uh uh, movies but they (laughs) they, they branch out occasionally uh but yes the hibbert very cruelly diagnoses marge saying like no one wants to eat dinner at a crazy lady's house get real (laughs) and this this is where the one joke that's deleted is on the dvd which is after marge looks at the vhs then hibbert is describing that it's going to take a lot of time and effort and every time he says it's going to like take a lot of time homer goes oh 
an effort, uh, <laughs> then um, Hibbert says, you know, I got a pill that can help with that moaning. And Homer says, does it have a bubblegum center? No. Uh, not so bad. Not bad. The one joke. No other. Not even a secret deleted scene. But I'm sure there's a lot of deleted scenes uh, from this episode. <laughs> but yeah, so the shot of Marge in that wheelchair is one of like the saddest shots of Marge I've ever seen. Like she is so pitiful. Yeah, with her mix of sporting and household equipment just to protect her. It's it's like a football helmet and soccer shin guards and, and oven mitts. And she's in a computer chair being wheeled outside. Yeah. Yeah. That then and that Bart and Lisa are like protecting her with like, you know, racket, uh, a, like a racket and a baseball bat. Like it's it's really sweet that it's the whole family working yet together to help Marge. Of course, Homer messes it up, but like Marge is just so pitiful in this. Like it, you, I, you feel so bad seeing her like so broken. I know, and it works again for Act Two. That you get Marge so low that it makes you feel great for her getting over it. But man, this uh, this scene, this I think is a good scene that actually is focusing on the family this is the family dynamic at play it and it also it doesn't feel like they actually recorded it together but it also does feel a little more lively than other scenes with the whole family Hmm. feel as well but yes here's marge trying to go outside don't worry mom this first time we'll only take a few steps outside all right just to the mailbox and back Now, Dr. Hibbert said to use a number from 1 to 10 to describe how anxious you are. 2, 3, 2... Don't worry, everything is fine. What the hell is that? Dad, it's just a bug. 2... It's not just a bug, it's the queen of something! 10, 10, 10, 10! Don't worry, I'll set fire to the hive! 12, 15, 703! Run! It does feel like very classic Simpsons. Bees are defending yeah. themselves somehow. And it's great that Homer runs in ahead of Marge. Like, <laughs> leaves her like he he's just out to save himself. And and also that Homer, who does not smoke, just has a lighter right on hand. He's like, I'm going to burn these bees, this hot wasp nest right now. That's his hive lighter. <laughs> just for beehives. Yeah. It's great. And also, like, uh, Julie's very good at just her saying, like, just random numbers as she gets more and more stressed out. Like, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's really great. I, I love the, it, it just feels like the family doing stuff together. Now, the next scene, I think it's okay. And boy, am I glad Bart only says one thing in this scene. <laughs> I, I, I thought that it was a really funny joke where, uh, so we have this little play that's being put on where Bart is playing a poo, uh, Lisa is playing a magazine rack, and I love Homer's response to her, look, I'm the first to admit it. I don't write good parts for women. Isn't that great? Like, doesn't that feel like Obine is roasting, lightly roasting some other writers who work on The Simpsons? Yes, within her Marge episode. Yeah, and that that was a good... That was an excuse back then, by the way. If you didn't write good women in an episode, you or in your TV shows, you just say, look, I'm the first to admit it. I'm not good at writing for women. So so suck it up, ladies. <laughs> but I, I refuse to improve and this this will not change. You're just going to be a, a magazine rack. I mean, yeah, there's there's probably been a number of times where uh, maybe Carolyn Omine has noticed. Boy, Lisa may as well just be uh, a lamp in this scene. She doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but hey, reference time. She is holding the uh, In Rod We Trust Time magazine from Deep Space Homer. That was great. That was so great seeing that there. I, I wonder if it was just an animator just remembering like, hey, why why redesign a new magazine? We've already got an approved magazine right here. And also Matt Grading's on the cover of Us Magazine or Us Weekly. <laughs> Though I was trying to look up Matt Grading in the 
first years of Bartmania, he would make a lot of appearances on covers like as a photograph. But around this time, it was kind of more rare. There was that one Wired cover we talked about in the first year of Futurama where he's like drawn onto the cover as a head in the jar. And it's just um, surprising because it is not the standard way Matt Groening is drawn in his own style. Hmm. So is it just his head? Uh, is that all the cover is? No, it's uh, it's his head being carried around by the three leads of Futurama okay, by yeah. Lila, Bender, and Fry. Yeah, and though for the 500th episode, which was over 10 years ago now, Matt Groening, James L. Brooks, and Al Jean did get the cover of Hollywood Reporter. They were on the cover of that. Which, uh, isn't that nuts to, when this is the, I mean, we'll talk more about the scary math later, but to know that there's basically 500 episodes after this one, they're working their way to 800 now, and this is the 300th, like. And we'll never yeah. stop. We will never stop. If you guys aren't Bill Oakley patrons, you you didn't hear us this say this, but Bill Oakley's like, so you guys are going to keep just going? And we're like, yeah, we're going to be covering season 33 in 2043 for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll, re we'll be revisiting season three for the fourth time. Just yep. you watch. Yeah, that <laughs> what does 60-year-old Bob think about Dog of Death? You're going to find out in 20, uh, 19 years. 19 years. I'll have to re-listen to our old episodes to remember my childhood memories at that point. <laughs> I'll be like, well, was my childhood again? Uh, but I get that their plan to like make Marge feel normal about the Quickie Mart again by having it uh, play out in the house. But it was a big mistake to have her also act out the robbery with Millhouse as the, the robber. And I also couldn't believe they got away with a picture of Millhouse pointing <laughs> a realistic gun in his face. <laughs> it's too bad these aren't cells because that'd be a great cell to own. I guess Millhouse is undone. Uh, he's not, you know, hit by Marge or whatever, but silly string comes out of the gun and just uh, confounds him. And then so Marge runs off to the basement and this this is where Algene talks about how he knew agoraphobics. It sounds like he worked with writers who were like long distance writers. Now, lots of writers work remotely and it's just a normal thing. But it sounded like from what Algene was talking about, you know, in the pre-COVID times, he had worked with a lot of remote writers who maybe had some level of agoraphobia and would just submit jokes that way. It does feel like COVID made a lot more people agoraphobic. Uh, there are still a lot of people mm -hmm. out there who uh, just never do anything social. And it could be because they have valid health reasons. It could be because they just are very paranoid and uh, have anxiety about COVID. Yeah, I mean, I totally understand, especially if you are scared of getting long COVID or, you know, you or spreading it to uh, people in your lives. Like, I can understand not wanting to go to, like, you know, concerts or pro wrestling events or all that. That makes sense. But also, yeah, I think I think for a lot of people, you know, it took a little while to get over the shutting yourself off uh, all the time like it uh the the COVID lockdown actually made me a reverse agoraphobic because I wanted to leave the home more than I did before mm -hmm. COVID because I was like oh I well I can't go anywhere except outside so I, I'm gonna walk every morning to hell but in Marge's case she does get in better shape just as I did in that scenario but though har I hardly got as in good shape as Marge but she does it without leaving the place but also I have to give a little finger wag to uh, Taljean here. He's ripping himself off from the critic again. Yes. I think he just loves an old man and dressed as baby New Year because uh, his brain has rotted. Not Al Jean's, but the old man's. This is yes, just like, yeah. say hello to baby 37, everybody. 
<laughs> yeah, that's uh, Franklin dresses up like that in Dial M for Mother, which we covered a long time ago, over five years ago on this Patreon. And that's and... in every opening segment of The Critic, right? Every opening in the theme song. That's like one of the oh, little yeah. gags is Franklin uh, as Baby New Year, right? Yeah, he pops out of a cake. That's right. Yeah. No, and, and Dial M for Mother, I was just rewatching a little bit of it, and I forgot how, like, you know, I feel like almost half the episodes of The Critic are about nobody likes likes the critic a audiences test terribly with it yeah when we covered it it's just like uh, half the episodes are about jay getting fired but i i still love the critic and my wife and i were just seeing if it was on youtube for some reason i forget what it was and we just left the critic youtube channel playing and we just could not leave the television because we just were remembering oh it's this part and then this bit and then that bit so hey uh you're not if you're not on the patreon check out our patreon at patreon.com slash talking simpsons we've covered every episode of the critic even the webisodes even the webisodes the dial in for mother it has another of my favorite it's the most self-conscious gene and reese were on screen about like oh people don't like this because it's not the simpsons where the guy literally changes the channel to the simpsons <laughs> and says now this i get is that the episode where she's like feed him with my what i barely know yes, this person yeah. <laughs> like oh take my temperature mommy take my temperature <laughs> That joke too, yes. It's full. It's it's a lot of great shows. And it's got Geraldo, who also is uh, has a Rob Schneider-like tale of uh, downfall. Though I feel like the now I hear about Geraldo, the rare times when he's like caused some stink on Fox News saying like, oh, the, hey, you guys got too racist even for me in this Fox <laughs> News segment. What a hero. Like, that's when I hear about him. <laughs> what a great guy. He's just like Colin Powell, who late in his life, he's like, what if I said that I tr think Trump is unserious? Well, will you think I'm good then? We had to see his fucking ass on the 2020 Democratic Convention. Oh, you're right about that. I forgot how recently he died, but yeah, he was dredged up. <laughs> yeah, gross. But yeah, so also at this time, they were doing a lot of what the hell are you talking about? Like, well, actually, it's a long term runner. Homer said it in Poochie to the wizard key question. And then also uh, in Homer goes to college when he's told, like, what the hell are you talking about uh, when he's given the test? But yeah, now Marge has decided she's never going to leave the basement again. There's a good joke. Well, OK, this is when sadly Bart does talk in an accent. Unfortunately, <laughs> this again feels like real ADR where Bart does an Apu impression and then homer just quickly says we'll have to smoke her out the end like the scene just like slams shut there i mean yeah even if you overlook the problematic thing uh it's just not funny just like yeah i guess i guess he has to talk like apu because he's dressed like him but there should have been a joke if you're going to do that I feel like there was a different joke that they must have thought was worse. Well, also, I do like that despite Marge being a shut-in, she still wants to hear church every morning. <laughs> and also that Marge apparently smacks Homer in the face hard with a hymnal all the time. <laughs> when he falls asleep and then homer is embarrassed about strangling bart in front of jesus that's a good joke uh, a surprise to see jesus at church is, is a nice joke <laughs> and then actually here's another thing they did a whole lot on the critic dumping on one specific sitcom from the 90s in, in our next clip here wow honey eating dinner downstairs is great isn't it kids the air hockey table makes passing the carrots a breeze Bart, eat your spinach. No way. Yes way. Stop it, please. I'm trying to eat. And all those feet going by the window are really creeping me out. It's like we're at Cheers. I love that show because you always knew it was only a half hour till wings. Then you could just sleep till Monday. Bye, Mom. I'm sending the cat up with your lunches. 
Great, great struggling cat sounds. I, I know it was cut off. Yeah, Wings. Duckman made fun of Wings. Simpsons made fun of Wings twice. I guess the joke is like once Cheers is over, once Wings starts, you can go to sleep. And then you just yeah. wake up and it's Monday. But okay, so we just hit the 30th anniversary of Frasier, right? People were right. posting memorabilia, like ads and stuff to remember, you know, the beginning of Frasier when people didn't know it would be a big hit. But a huge ad I saw on TV Guide at the top of the screen was from the creators of Wings. Frasier. Whoa. Yes. Wow. That was what they were selling <laughs> Frasier with. And you know what? I'm sure Wings is great. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it is the most cromulent, uh, you know, must-see TV sitcom of its era. And you can get it all on DVD for like 50 bucks now if you want. I watched a good amount of Wings, but I don't remember too many episodes of it, to be totally honest. But uh, I do. Our, our Pals on Gayest episode ever have, had done several good Wings episodes. And, and also, you know, geez, I guess almost a year ago to the day here was I can't believe Kevin Conroy passed away like a year ago now but he almost was cast on wings in tim daly's part and were he to have done that he probably wouldn't have been batman so be thankful that he was not cast on wings and then tim daly was superman eventually he ends up being superman yes yeah it's uh but also like wings has been off the air for almost six years its last episode was may 97 so here they are in february 06 making fun of wings still yeah, a lot of Simpsons writers, at least a few of them, worked on Wings. I can, like, Ken Keeler. The, Wings had a lot of, like, good early 90s comedy writers on the staff, or at least, like, contributing scripts to it. And it's not a bad, I, I mean, it's a clever idea for a sitcom of, you know, it's a workplace sitcom, but it's at a small airport, like a small, you know, uh, tiny airport that just uh, takes you from New York to Boston, pretty much, or other parts of the, the Cape Cod area. And also, I mean, the cast full of, you know, you got Tony Shalhoub in there. Thomas Hayden Church, you know, lots of lot, uh, women as well. Oh, well, you had a crush on the redhead on the show, didn't you, Bob? Did I? Is this, uh, oh, I'm, I'm looking did. up who it is. Uh, Amy Yazbeck, yes. Unfortunately, she was taken by uh, John Ritter, but not anymore. At least not for the last 20 years. <laughs> she was like the evil mom in Problem Child, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember her like being tortured in that movie, I think. And also, uh, Stephen Weber, he's good. He's he's good. And he and stuff now, I think. But uh, I'll tell you, anyway, I'll tell you who wrote, for, who wrote for Wings. Steve Levitan was a huge Wings writer, now one of the richest men on the planet. And that's right. uh, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of Frasier people in here. Sorry, I'm just looking at the, this is now just me reading Phil Lezebnik. I know Rob Lezebnik. Who the hell is Phil Lezebnik? I assume they're related. Why? Yeah. That whole Lezebnik family is in every writer's room man yeah ken keeler wrote an episode yeah yeah Uh, the lezebnik uh, dynasty it lives on well also frazier was on an episode of wings too because they were the creators of frazier later on but you know i've had another of these instagram has finally learned that i live in the seattle area now because i'm getting specific seattle ads on instagram including one which was hey it's a mariners baseball cap except it has a legally distinct version of the seattle skyline that's on the opening of frazier so it's like both a frazier and a mariners cap and of course you didn't buy this correctly i did not Okay. No, no. <laughs> well, so I feel like uh, I'm not investing in Frasier stock right now because I feel like it's going to all come tumbling down once people see that. I feel like that new Frasier show is going to be a big old whiff on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, as of this recording, we're, uh, I think, about a week away. So you tell us, is Frasier yeah. good without <laughs> any of the people who made it good? Surprise us, Frasier. 
Isn't it funny too that Homer's like, oh, I love that show. He's he's like remembering Cheers, which was a contemporary of theirs at the start. Now he's like, remember Cheers, because it was like it's been off the air for almost a decade. I no, in 03 it would be a decade, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It went off the air in I believe spring of ninety-three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh and you know what? If you if you like Cheers references, maybe watch that new series Fiona and Cake on Max. You might be pleasantly surprised. Hmm, really? If you like Cheers references. Yes. But yes, Bob, you're right. The sounds and animation on snowball 2 being shoved up the vent is very funny <laughs> but this is when uh, marge realizes that she's just crazy enough actually this is just like that episode of the sting of futurama we just did where leela's crazy enough to know she's crazy and marge is too crazy to go outside not crazy enough to have imaginary friends uh, and this is when I love that on the commentary, even Carolyn Omine is kind of like goofing on them of like, well, how about that? Act one actually pays off <laughs> in act two. It is a rarity <laughs> on The Simpsons, even in uh, the classic era. Sometimes it just would be unrelated act one. And then here our story begins in act two. But, you know, Marge starts lifting weights. I have gotten more into the weights lately because I have, you know, a whole gym in my new apartment. So about three, four days a week, I do about 30 to minutes to an hour of, uh, of different arm dumbbell exercises dumbbell sounds like a fake word to me but it is the actual things i'm using the stupidest of weights i think the dumbbell i am a cardio man and i just i love the high of elliptical machines that i get an hour on that uh, at least like 160 beats per minute i'm good i watch three episodes mm -hmm. of one piece and then i'm ready for the rest of the day see now i read the one piece on the treadmill that's my thing i'm up to when listeners when you hear this i'm up to chapter 394 on my treadmill reading of it though yeah you know my the guy i'm shooting for a fictional character to be physically like not joey joey heatherton as homer says here but the guy i want to be is it's agent 24 from venture brothers i want to transform from agent 24 in season four to agent 24 in season five. Oh, you know i did not see this transformation so i assume it's dramatic no when he becomes a big buff dude in the series uh, you didn't see that no uh, i did not agent 24 I, in the show? I have to oh, apologize man. i've only seen up to seasons 4.5 of the venture brothers it's still at this point well he becomes a very he still has a bit of a tummy on him but he is a very muscular guy so that's my that's my dream fit now that i'm working on though i do not have the kind of progress march has which you get from being locked in a room with weights isn't it surprising they didn't do like a prison weights joke here with her oh yeah yeah the, the second you said locked in a room with weights i'm like oh yeah they didn't they missed the obvious uh, i'm not saying it's a problem but i'm surprised they didn't do the obvious marge is acting like a prisoner style jokes Though I guess that's what happens with Ruth, so that's where they put the prison muscles oh, joke in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely true. <laughs> uh, but yes, Marge starts getting buff. There's a. I do also like the joke that you think that she's watching a workout tape and she's watching a cooking tape that just sounds like a workout tape. In the in the one, feel the burn, ladies. Yeah. That's how you know it's on. Yeah, and the one because like uh, one, two, three, four, five eggs, and you know that makes sense for a cooking show. Uh, this is me explaining the joke, by the way. But I love how feel the burn makes no sense for a cooking show but then they kind of work it into something that could make sense <laughs> it's a good joke i i like that so then marge is showing off her body to the family and a point of this episode is is that women can get in a little shape but not too much shape because then a man won't find you attractive that's the dangerous thing about for women getting in shape that's where this episode loses me where there's this revulsion of uh from their from their point of view women losing their womanhood and of course a lot more disgusting things factor into that as well in terms of uh how that mode of thinking can affect real people but at this point in the show it's still like oh a woman uh too fit disgusting yuck not feminine two genders everyone nope. there's just two 
The Homer describes her as having the body of Joey Heatherton, which I wouldn't know the names of these 70s sex symbols if it wasn't for Simpsons jokes about like her and Sybil Danning. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mo, Mo uh, had some Joey Heatherton reference earlier in the show. But in this case, it's like, I don't know. I looked up some old bikini pictures of Joey Heatherton. She, I mean, she has a flat stomach, but she doesn't have like amazing abs or anything. Homer's just saying he is attracted to Marge, which this, again, in a show written mainly by men, though a woman is the credited writer on this episode. So many jokes about, well, what does Homer feel about the attractiveness of his wife? Like, yeah, we need, we need to, to know what he that. feels about this woman's body. Great, very subtle joke. Again, I'm sorry for explaining a joke, but I just, I'm, I'm appreciating it for all of you listeners. Uh, Marge saying, you know what would spice up this hollandaise? A lemon! Where a hollandaise <laughs> is, a, is a lemon-based sauce, in case you don't know. Without the lemon, it's not hollandaise. So I like it. It's another joke about how Marge is like a very bland cook. That's a great, that is uh, on a higher level than it seems. And it's also, I like that it feels realistic for writing about, you know, recovery. Because sometimes you, all of a sudden you realize like, oh wait. I got over this. I didn't even notice it. Like, it never is like an aha moment. You just go like, oh, yeah, I ran outside without even realizing I was afraid, you know? It's, it's very natural how it works on her. And and is this the same lemon tree that she bought Lisa for her birthday, the one she loves playing? I thought that was a peach oh, no, wait, tree. Oh, that's a peach tree. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, It could sorry. be two things. <laughs> well, then also Lisa has her Bodhi tree back there. Lisa has a, there's too many trees back there. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, then it. Okay, so this is where it does feel like Al Jean took over because the references are coming fast and heavy. I mean, I definitely see her running around saying, I'm not afraid. They don't do a musical sting to it, but I think it's an It's a Wonderful Life reference, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe a bit. Yeah, I, I guess they could have uh, leaned more into it, but I'm glad they didn't because, I mean, we love Al Jean. He's a great guy, but he loves referencing The Godfather. And these references are getting a little long in the tooth in 2003, especially recreating an entire scene shot for shot including mistakes made in the scene yeah okay so so here's my thought on this godfather thing that we actually just did you haven't heard it yet but we've recorded our mr plow one and mr plow does have a sequence where i'd say it's about 20 seconds of bart being hit with snowballs that's supposed to be a shot for shot recreation of james con's character being shot in that movie and so you know it's similar things, but this is a heightening of it. But also, I think that a reason I wouldn't have done it is that even though it is a Simpsons thing to do, when I saw this in 2003, I was thinking, well, this is just Family Guy. Family Guy does a minute-long full recreation of a scene, so it feels like Simpsons ripping off Family Guy, even when it's really just them getting back to their roots. Well, there's a real Family Guy moment, you know, coming up. But I, I guess it's, uh, to be fair, the Simpsons uh, had a certain shtick, and then Family Guy did that shtick, and the Simpsons backed away from it so now whenever they lean back into their old shtick it does feel a bit like family guy and especially for al jean we were talking about the critic already like family guy ripped off the critic as much as it ripped off the simpsons and i mean uh, and it's just al jean yeah this is no different than the season four uh last uh exit the springfield of uh don homer walking through the marketplace and being offered donuts it's like a remake of a scene but there's a simpson character in it and then family guy that they made that their bit seven uh six years later yeah yeah i uh but it it just feels weaker in the moment when family guy is popularizing it so much there but yeah i mean seeing it all here i also i d i wish the the mugger didn't get one joke at her saying like uh oh how, how's it going still living in fear that's a joke i was like eh, i don't like that joke but i like 
they I mean it is every step of it I rewatched the scene and like even the biting of the hand to get him to try to let go so she can pick him up and I mean I I will say I'm a reason I'm cool with this Godfather reference a little bit is because if they were just gonna have a scene where Marge beats the shit out of this guy's revenge that might be uncomfortable they want if you have the distance of a parody then you just feel good for Marge or you're just like oh this is fun Marge gets revenge on the guy and Marge gets over her fear of uh, the outside by beating the shit out of this guy yeah it makes the ending beating scene less exciting less fun Mm -hmm. but I do like even Marge gets the like the last kick on him just like Jimmy Conn does or Sonny Corleone gets on Carlo in it uh and then the scene ends with Wiggum telling everybody you know why don't you why don't why don't you take the law into your own hands too I mean that's what the cops want you to do wanted you to do as well they weren't going to do anything and just like in let me see Springfield Connection she has her own cool action catchphrase like you've just been marginalized in in that season six episode she says I don't think that's a very good idea when she's drawing her gun (laughs) oh that's right man I wish I wasn't just being reminded of the better version of this episode that they did before but so for act three I I wanted to ask you Henry for act three how much do you think Al Jean wanted to license dude looks like a lady it feels lacking this episode feels lacking without that song given the sentiment of act three Boy, you're right. I hadn't thought of that, but I, especially with how much goddamn music is in Act 3, I am shocked they didn't get it. Maybe I, Aerosmith wasn't letting it out anymore. Maybe they didn't like using it as a joke anymore. Or maybe somebody at least said, that was in Mrs. Doubtfire. We can't use that. It's That that officially made it too hack if it was in Mrs. Doubtfire. I wonder if it was in Joanna Man. We have to consult it Joanna Man. It be, right? At least the yeah. trailer. At least the trailer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, also, I'll say on the music thing, okay, you can do a long godfather reference but the very next scene cannot be a rocky reference like you can't do basically from the same year ish are these two movies like not exactly but basically the same to go from a godfather straight into the rocky fanfare which i at least do chuckle hearing him say on the commentary that like well the fanfare is technically public domain so we can use it as much as we want yeah that whole like getting strong now that whole stuff is uh licensed but i guess the fanfare is public domain and we're gonna meet Ruth Powers here but we're going to talk about her next week on New Kid on the Block in terms of Pamela Reed and everything and uh, her introduction but it's weird that these are back to back on our schedule we did not plan it that that way yeah but yeah I mean doesn't the joke of Marge brushing her teeth feel like it's supposed to zoom out and reveal something it's like it, it feels missing something yeah in my right? in my notes I, I I bitterly wrote she does some slightly comical training there there aren't any real <laughs> gags she's lifting laundry like it's um like it's weights but that's kind of it and so then she ends up at the Venice Mu- Venice Beach or Muscle Beach version of Springfield which I guess the people are familiar with that because it's a major scene in Barbie in the Barbie movie yes it's Pamela Ricci's back and I think she's really good. I wish I feel like they cast her because they thought they'd be using her all of the time. But here's when things get crappy. Marge Simpson? It's Ruth. Ruth Powers. Ruth Powers? My old neighbor? Oh my goodness, look at you. I got this body in prison. I was Miss Mexican Mafia three years in a row. Wow. You know, another four inches on your neck and you look pretty hot. Ever thought of competing? I don't have those kind of muscles. Well, you could if you use these. Steroids? I can't take drugs. I have so many anti-drug bumper stickers, I'd be making a liar out of my tailgate. Steroids aren't drugs. They occur naturally in the body, like sweat. 
tumors. But aren't there side effects? Yes, their main side effect is greatness. But if you'd rather be weak and helpless... No, no! I feel good, with no repercussions. Oh, God. Yeah, I was shaking my head on camera at that Popeye reference. So we'll talk a lot about Ruth Powers in New Kid on the Block next week. Uh, what I don't like th- is that they brought her back for this because Ruth Powers in New Kid on the Block and Marge on the Lamb. I love her character and I love that she is like a realistic single mother, world weary, still horny and very funny and sarcastic. And here she is just an evil pusher. But I will say Pamela Reed is bringing it with this voice acting in this one scene. I, I love her. Their main side effect is greatness. She's just yeah. <laughs> so just beaming with steroid energy. But uh, uh, yeah, not like this. Not like this. Don't bring her back for this. I do love that she compares it to tumors as something that occurs naturally in the body also. that Yeah, she's Pamela Reed was handed, and I this could have been any character. I think it was just them remembering, oh yeah, we could have this character back. But I think also they misremember that she... So Ruth is not introduced as an ex-con in her previous appearances. Do they think that she went to jail at the... Are they misremembering that she goes to jail at the end of the Thelma and Louise episode? Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think they are under the impression that after Marge on the Land, she went to prison but i believe she did make appearances uh, she was a pretty frequent background character after new kid on the block and even after the incidents that happened in marge on the lamb so yeah i don't know she also in breaking continuity she appears in the flashback for marge's baby shower even like, oh uh, yeah for, you're for right Maggie. that yeah totally <laughs> true totally true I, I think marge got a head injury and forgot she met ruth before <laughs> yeah it's uh, let's just say it was a, a a misremembering of that but yeah i do i think that that her being like a pusher of steroids and also that she has a perfect body i do wonder if she is like to me it now just reads as her hitting on marge when she said you'd be pretty hot if you just got four inches to your neck like yeah, maybe it is that uh, a prison joke like a like a light prison joke that well and of course going to prison makes you gay as we all know and of course also if you have sex with a woman who has a lot of muscles you're basically a homo as well we we learned a lot from this episode of course i went to the simpsons wiki and you can if you look up a character you can see where they appeared and you know the when they have spoken lines it appears in bold and she's kind of like in every episode after marge on the lamb because every episode has a crowd and she's in that crowd and she's very easy to identify so yeah there was no jail time for ruth powers i think james l brooks had big plans for her that then i i honest well you know we'll talk about it when we do that episode that's next week it's the next regular episode we do but yeah so it is next week but all this all this steroid stuff uh i sadly know a lot about steroid use because most pro wrestlers do it so i learned facts about it and this was when the concept of roid rage was getting more well known in the public though i do think that it definitely in my opinion, from seeing its effect on wrestlers, I do think it, it can increase your violent tendencies, but also you probably were a psycho to begin with and it worsened your violence. And on top of that, I think, well, maybe just the tech has improved and people are using different steroids that have better effects now. But back then, an entire generation of my favorite wrestlers are mostly dead because they did a ton of drugs and muscle relaxers mixed with steroids, which leads to an enlarged heart that gives out in your early 40s. And they all had to become 
drunks because they couldn't get health care, right? Yep. Well, also, if it's the end of the day of a very long day of travel, then what are you going to do? You're going to pop a couple somas for muscle relaxers and then down alcohol. And sometimes you don't wake up when you do that or you develop at the very least a horrible addiction that will take you decades to beat if ever. So, yeah, no, I mean, steroids are they are bad. I'm sure there's people who could tell you like, ah, you can handle it. Just don't overdo it or all that. But yeah, I, I mean, this is just, uh, uh, I guess, uh, hubbub or whatever. Hollywood hubbub, as I call it. But I hear <laughs> that, you know, these mega hunks are just selectively on steroids for a very short period of time to get like the one shirtless scene in the movie. Perfect. Or just mm. to to turn Kumail Nanjiani into like a hulking beast, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, allegedly, course- allegedly in a video game. Unlike in this episode, too, it's like, well, actually, they, it's it's clear in this episode as well. Steroids don't instantly give you muscles. They make it easier to grow muscles and work out, and they help you recover. I mean, I read one wrestler's autobiography where his pro-steroid statement was, one, pro wrestling is not a competition like bodybuilding is, so you're not getting an illegal edge. And two, a big thing that steroids does is help you heal your muscles, as in, you know, a working out is, like, technically tearing muscle, so if you take steroids, steroids your muscles heal faster so they get bigger faster and also just doing the job of pro wrestler you're beating up your muscles all day so steroids help with that too but yeah you you don't get green eyes i'm gonna tell you that right now that does not happen i don't think you chug uh steroid i mean the one the weird thing about this is if if you're going to do the anti-drug thing at least show how the drugs are actually taken marge just Mm. takes it like spinach basically i mean that's why you heard the popeye sting if marge got a shot in her butt it would be weirder i guess they didn't want to do that this is also around on the commentary where they literally use the term mannish to describe talking to female bodybuilders. And I remember a lot of, uh, you know, there was the uh, the tragic story of the life of the pro wrestler China. Yeah. Uh, Joan Laurie, who she faced a shitload of this cruelty in her life. I, I was definitely thinking of the wrestler China and uh, all the jokes that I can remember, many of which were actually on on the programs featuring her. You know, it was it was a bad time yeah. for this kind of thing. And this made me realize that um, it's, it's really transphobia month on Talking Simpsons because this this month, I think it just happened, but we also covered uh, the Futurama episode Bend Her, which is right. uh, another can of worms. So uh, we're having a lot of fun in 2003, folks, with these topics. Also, just to let you know how much it was normalized then and why this maybe this feels crazy now is. I remember Howard Stern also just a regular segment on his show would be getting in female bodybuilders to mock in this way. He would he would have them on in person to say that they look like men or ask like, but you were a man, right? Or say, do you, you know, you have sex with this guy or whatever? Like all these things, like it was just normal. It's not good, but it was like, just to let you know how that's how things were 20 years ago, sadly. Yeah, and we start getting into that territory with Marge adding estrogen blockers to uh, to her workout uh, cocktail or whatever it's just like oh she's <laughs> she's losing her womanhood everybody yuck so this stuff about her supplements i will say when i work out i actually did it just yesterday after i did my arm stuff i do do a little bit of basically one of my diet things too is i'm trying to in the morning instead of eating like anything for like breakfast or even an early lunch i just have like a protein shake which is you know 30 grams of pea protein and other like non non-dairy proteins and when i was looking up like oh but what's 
your stack? Like, what do you, as in your pre-workout drink, your mid-workout drink, and your post-workout drink? Like, that's what Marge is doing here. It's the stuff you put in you right before or after you exercise. But every time I looked at the stacks, uh, like, listing, I was like, Jesus Christ, this all just seems like, I'm sure it does have an effect, but it just seems like a scam. Every page I went to was just like, well, here's the $800 of stuff you need to put in a blender before you lift a barbell. Lucky for you, this stuff don't work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the the protein drinks are at least they're not. Honestly, they're basically like a Nestle quick that's good for me is basically what it tastes like to me. Just a, a nice little chocolate drink. Yeah, I mean, I have a protein bar for breakfast. It's like a candy bar that's good for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so as Marge is taking all of her stuff, she then becomes Superman, which also like Al Jean feels bad about. He's just like, oh boy. I, also, I feel like that estrogen blocker for Minty Zing, I feel like there was probably a worse line there, I think. Could be, yeah, could be. But yes, this we have a quick little joke here that takes takes Otto to a no- new level. <laughs> Not so fast, bus boy. Man, what am I smoking? Oh yeah, pot. That's a good joke. And you've got it written by Carolyn Omine, the acceptor of the High Times Award for the show, writing that joke. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We have like, uh, I, I guess it is uh, not not an endorsement of pot in this episode, but just like a fact of life. Like the bus driver is driving while high <laughs> and picking up your children. Uh, now, so I, I wanted to mention one thing, Henry, and I just looked it up now while the clip was playing. Like many issues with on The Simpsons in this era, there's a king of the hill that handles it much better. And it's not steroid use, but there's an episode from 2003 called The Incredible Hank, in which Hank is like basically feeling very low T. He's not a lot of energy at work or in bed and just very like very low energy. So Peggy starts doping his coffee with testosterone and he becomes a real roid rage guy. So that oh, that's yeah. a much more fun episode of of a show that's dealing with, you know, altering your body in negative ways for short-term gains. My first thought when you said King of the Hill, I was thinking of the one where Bill gets in shape and becomes a bodybuilder. Oh yeah, there's that one too. I, I don't know if steroids play into that one, but um I know Macho Man's on that episode, right? Yes, who he was a big fan of steroids, Macho Man was. Marge then, like, is so strong, she can pick up the bus and rip the back of it off of it and just waves at everybody with the bumper like uh, she's she's gotten big. And yeah, it's just like, you know, things... They're turning her into Superwoman, and I. But I also don't think Marge has a bad body in this bit too. But okay, I guess it's time to talk about one of the worst moments in the show. Oh, absolutely. So in this in this next scene here, Marge she wants to snuggle. Homer wants to talk about his feelings, and he's using it to segue into you know I feel that you know using steroids is wrong or whatever. And Marge mounts him, says let's do it. Uh, Homer is trying to rebuff his bulky flower as he calls her, and she says I wasn't asking. And then we cut to him uh, looking exhausted, sitting at the breakfast table. Now, I will say, I won't use the term ripped off for this joke, but it's the same joke that Family Guy did two years earlier on an episode called Lethal Weapons. It's an episode in which Lois gets buff, and this exact same joke happens, except Family Guy takes it more in a rape joke direction in which Homer acts, uh, sorry, Peter rather, acts like a victim of sexual assault after the the incident happens. I'm glad they don't do that here. It seems like Homer enjoyed his time, even though he limps away at the end, but yeah, same joke as Family Guy in The Simpsons. You never want to see that no no but of course when you're gonna end up copying family guy if you're doing a joke that's sort of about being a sexual predator like if you, yes like oh man it's family guy did every joke about consent <laughs> And I, I don't know if Carolyn Omine wrote this joke, but I'm sure all the men on the writing staff would were thinking, yeah, it'd be terrible if a woman dominated me and forced me to have sex with her. I would hate that. Right. 
Yeah, it's, ah, boy, it's weird. I mean, it also does seem to be arguing for like, well, the man should be doing this to the woman a little bit here. That's what's wrong. But I also, I feared at first when Homer, okay, not to get too lewd, but so the reason Homer is walking in pain, it's because his hips hurt from Marge riding him. Is that? Oh, she's on it, top. Like, it was, yeah, definitely. Yeah. We, we, the scene ends with her on top. Well, again, I feel like Family Guy would have done the joke that Homer's butt hurt to imply like pegging happened or something like that's that's what Family Guy would have done. I'm not sure if 2001 Family Guy knew about pegging yet, but yeah, perhaps not. They just yeah. had like Peter at the breakfast table with Stewie like crying or something like that. It, it was similar. That was a sad joke. Yeah, very, yeah. very similar joke. But uh, well, also, I feel like Homer saying the line of uh, afterwards to the kids, your mom has a lot of stuff to shave. I feel like he was he said a much dirtier joke about why Marge wasn't there in the morning <laughs> yeah yeah but still uh you know again we're easing into transphobia here we're the we're the frog in the pot and the water's being turned up very slowly <laughs> but yeah i mean homer obviously homer wouldn't want to have sex with marge because she's bigger than him now and that's disgusting no man would want that no i mean again this is when they say on the commentary like dude you're basically married to a dude i was like Ugh, oh boy. yeah i mean hey oh it was boy. 2010 common school of thought conventional wisdom we weren't talking about any like a queer or trans issues out loud nope. in that era so you know i can't blame people too much and i'm sure if you ask them today they would be like well yeah i was dumb as hell back then i didn't know any trans people yeah. and this was a, a shitty thing to say also even from just like uh, yeah it's baked in transphobia and also there's a bit of like you know people who would consider themselves feminists saying these things it's like oh so you define that a woman can only look one way that if she stops looking a certain way then it you're not a woman anymore like that also is just cruel to even cis women as well oh yeah absolutely yeah not a fan yeah. of this does feel very mean-spirited yeah i mean hearing marge say i wasn't asking and then veins pop out that is a low <laughs> yeah not as low as panda love but it's a low for me i mean i was referring to uh, the next scene at the competition but yeah this is a mean-spirited joke too and we have like an episode in which the entire family comments on the smell of maggie's shit and then we have uh, marge let's say to put it kindly forcing herself on homer and we see the repercussions of that so we're brushing against some lows in uh, strong arms of the mall happy 300th episode everybody yes yeah i again i'm i like you said i'm glad that this is not the 300th episode for that reason which is so sad because i had so many nice things to say in the first hour of this podcast but yeah so after all this it's time for the competition and another horrible joke now let's meet the ladies who are doctors as sure as are women the iron maidens Karumba. I'm off women forever. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it in, in Bend Her, or maybe we have. I forget the schedule. But yeah, this is not funny because this is a thing that people want to do to children now. And it, it doesn't make you laugh like it did in no. 2003 if you were of this mindset. So yeah, not a fan. Not a fan of this stuff. The I mean, just the very, the topic that cannot leave our conversation of like the idea that these people have that they view like men are entering women's sports to to compete on a different level when you know if you're saying you're like no these are trans women shut up well also uh, and again the fakeness of it the flimsiness of that argument too is from people who say they're not transphobic they just care so much about women's sports when as you see in this episode women's sports are a joke to in the mainstream like people don't view women's bodybuilding or women's basketball or women's soccer on any particular level of seriousness or treated like economically as a real sport that men watch but only if they can say like well wait 
what if what if a trans woman were to compete here? Now I care. Yes, and uh, I mean I don't want to uh, I don't want to go on too long, but boy, I can't believe South Park kind of recently did an episode about this. I was done with that show for a very long time, but I can't believe people are still hanging on after that like uh, mm. Macho Man Woman episode, whatever they called it. Yeah, that was basically a Babylon B. Yeah, headline. It was a Babylon yeah, B headline for about twenty two minutes. It it sickened me. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that was a real, again, when I thought like, oh, you guys learned your lesson on climate change. Maybe you also learned your lesson about your, the extreme transphobia you had with the Mrs. Garrison arc and like, nope, doubling down. Except yeah. now they can't do the joke that it's just disgusting. They can't do that joke anymore. That's too hateful apparently, but they can be like, uh, sports, we're worried about it in women's sports. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're saying uh, earlier, Henry, you're totally right where these commentators uh, like don't retweet them to dunk on them, you know, just leave them alone because everything they say is in bad faith they don't believe in anything ben shapiro has actually no thoughts or opinions about barbie ben shapiro knows his hat is on uh, stupidly and he's, he doesn't care about it the <laughs> fact that you're making fun of him gets him out there and that's all that matters it's all a bit uh even the even the wet yeah. ass pussy thing was a bit he was doing and he understood like i will look foolish but also millions of people will see my face and that's all i care about <laughs> I feel like Ben Shapiro in particular, he has become so rich off of that that it's like, guys, at least find a new person to dunk on. It's 2023. Dunking on Ben Shapiro is meaningless and you're just making him more rich. The only thing I want to read about Ben Shapiro or Tucker Carlson <laughs> is their obituary. Found dead That's in their own home. <laughs> yes that's what i want to see otherwise i'll quote tweet dunk on that but otherwise not so much yes uh, <laughs> yeah sorry to be self-righteous but like we're living through a new wave of this and mm -hmm. it sucks to see and it sucks to see a show i like enter this territory even mm -hmm. when it was considered more acceptable i guess i i just it's like this is where we were as a society it's, yeah and again they i mean they're getting a lot of fun or they're trying to find the fun in oh look at these women women shouldn't look like this like that's it's gross or weird and I mean, I wish if I could change another joke in here, I wish they'd have gone a little more with like, I like that Professor Frank likes that this woman is hitting on him. I want Professor Frank to be like, oh yeah, hey, call me later. Like, that's a fun pairing. Nerdy Professor Frank with this giant woman. Yes, I like those two together. It's great. But also, yeah, the, the song she sings, by the way, is The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which it's a great movie and a corny, corny song. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't want to linger on every transphobic joke, but the Frank joke is nice lady. Instead of, uh, you know, saying nice yeah. lady like uh, Jerry Lewis, he's questioning, are you a lady? So, yeah, yeah. every joke is that I kind of joke in this scene. It should have just been like, call me later or whatever. Like, at least let one character, or comic book guys right there too. Comic book guy, especially with his Wonder Woman fetishes, should really want to be with these ladies. Like, comic book guy should want this lady to tussle his hair instead. Yeah, he loves Xena. Exactly. Yeah. Al Jean's talking, constantly saying how uncomfortable he is seeing Marge in this design. And it is, I mean, it's extreme to see Marge this way. You're not used to seeing it. But it also, in, in classic Simpson style, though, Marge gets second place. No Simpson ever gets to win a contest. Yeah. Why did they come just to boo her? And you're wondering where, I'm like, you keep wondering where the show is going. It's like, okay, she went to the competition. Uh, well, now what? And then the final scene is just so weird. It's just so bizarre. Yeah. I, I feel like they couldn't figure out a way to land this story because the logical conclusion was to end with Marge attacking the robber and, you know, getting her revenge. But I feel like they didn't have the confidence to follow the story of agoraphobic Marge throughout an entire episode, which is why we have the wacky third act fix. 
Well, and also to, to keep talking about how we think a King of the Hill episode did something better, we just did the To Spank With Love, which also is about Peggy has a traumatizing incident happen to her, and the response is to become an authoritarian and be too tough on it. And then in that one, she fixes herself and comes to a realization instead of needing her husband to give a speech, they actually pointedly don't let a Hank Hill give a speech to her. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, but, he's denied yeah. a few times to step in and, and fix things. And yeah... Handle much better gives the character the dignity she deserves even if it is Peggy Hill and she's a bit of a pill but here it's like mm. a man has to talk sense into Marge it's like oh come on guys but yes first when she wins second place this also did remind me of like aren't there a lot of jokes in this season of husbands being made to do things not wanting to do their wife's dumb hobby because <laughs> definitely it feels like the joke of like second place now this will just encourage her they're like god I hate doing this shit it must be uh, you know I've never, never had an LA wife but maybe they're into all kinds of kooky hobbies that these these comedy writer husbands are like I'm trying to write a sign joke I have to go to a macrame <laughs> class <laughs> you're spending all my money on on life coaching lessons come on or swing dance classes uh but yes so then we go to Moe's and so this to me feels like somebody somebody is like pitching what a Schwarzwalder ending would be but it just it doesn't work and I uh, uh let's just hear the clip here so then I pop my delts clench and bam not a dry eye in the house well, I'm so proud of you, honey. You bulked up but managed to keep your femininity. And that's why I didn't win. Sorry, sir. Sorry. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to up my glyco load, use a denser ripping gel. Denser? Damn straight. I didn't sacrifice my period for second place. <laughs> I hear that. Uh, listen, Marge. Um... How can I put this delicately? I don't got enough booze in this place to make you look good. Maybe death will stop your yammering, huh? Marge, easy. <laughs> uh, oh. Everyone's pilot, Homer's wife! Yeah, yeah, I mean, you mentioned how the scene will end with Homer talking sense into Marge, but what sets Marge off is, a man doesn't find me attractive? Mm-hmm, yeah, that's, boy, there, his mouth movements are so off. I shudder to think about what Mo actually said in their first draft. I have to assume it's much worse. Much, much worse. I, I would assume he probably said, did you grow a penis or something? Something something that bad. Uh, I don't I don't need to pitch transphobic jokes. Why am I saying that? Look, but, I mean, Marge is finally going to kill Mo, as she should. He's a bad guy, and he's treated her Marge terribly the entire time she's known him. But, yeah, that I also do I do laugh at how Lenny says, everybody pile on Homer's wife. That's It's a fun extra line to add in there and this is a real uh, like but, licensing bonanza at the end of this episode so first we hit love is a battlefield then we hear etta james's at last and then relax by frankie goes to hollywood that that, that little joke there has to be like like a hundred thousand dollars right it's, it's getting up there but yeah but like every time she the jukebox is hit it changes to a new song and they're just like some of them aren't appropriate for for a barroom fight which is fine but boy that's a lot of money and then we have anchors away which is not like it's public domain but then we also have adagio for strings which is public domain but it's also platoon so it's just like well let's yeah. get a platoon reference in here too 
that anchors away thing i was like well they make this more like a popeye fight right like is this but they're like i i think they didn't really decide correctly on how cartoony they wanted this barroom brawl to be or not in here i mean my favorite joke in it is that we don't see marge beat up the sailors we just see them roll up their sleeves and then when they leave they sadly rolled their sleeves back down i like, wish they that, that made me laugh that made me laugh but i wish they would have like walked across the street into a gay bar or something there should have been like some <laughs> funny destination for them yeah yes i am pitching uh jokes for a show that aired 20 years ago i also think disco stew should have disco ducked is not worth pausing the screen unnaturally to <laughs> add an extra line there i don't think that's a good one at, at least play disco uh, duck give give rick d some money it's also funny to see the list of characters that like okay who can we have marge beat the shit out of here charlie is there legs but not louis hans Moleman. she's beating them all up but yeah so i i've got the next clip here is homer's speech so yeah i was just dogging on it being kind of weak that it's like oh and then the husband gives a sweet speech but i'm glad his speech is about marge's nice qualities and he misses how she used to be a sweet caring person and it's not him saying you're an ugly giant like he's yeah. not saying that but also it's a bit loaded because he says he's reminding her of the woman she used to be the fear is she's no longer a woman or she's turning into yes, a man yeah. or whatever they think is happening but i feel like they're hitting the uh the woman part of that pretty hard oh yeah well and also on the commentary the producers audibly wince when they show marge at her most hulked up as she's breathing <laughs> hard with the guy uh, with lenny over her head but yeah here's homer's little speech somewhere in the sea of full hormones is a sweet wonderful girl i married the woman who instead of swatting a fly will give it a bath and send it on its way i'd sure like to go home and have jiffy pop with her Oh my gosh! You're right! Hmm? Steroids have turned me into everything I hate. Let's go home, sweetie. Club Soda will get that blood out. Ugh. Well, there's only one way to recoup my losses. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Don't you have to buy insurance first? Oh, crap. Yeah, I did notice girl, woman, her in that speech. So yeah, they're really yeah. just letting you know, like, you need to be feminine. You need to be, have the qualities of a woman, <laughs> not this freakish man beast that you've become. Their words, not doesn't mine. It also, doesn't it also make you sad that Marge has to just go back to how she was before? She can't even be just kind of in shape like she is in act two. <laughs> like, no, Marge, you have to stop exercising entirely. She has to burn her weights in this giant furnace. <laughs> Which is a I funny game. I mean, it's gag. funny to see that. Yeah. I was thinking it right as they said it on the commentary of like, Moe's going to kill everybody in this bar. Like, it's a bar full of unconscious people. And so Moe's going to burn it down with people inside to kill them. Now, this is like the fifth time he's lit his bar on fire for insurance. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like the insurance company should stop taking his calls. It's an old scam. Marge, I feel like Marge could lose a little size, but instead, not only does she have to get rid of her workout equipment and just to get back to normal but also i really don't like this last joke that it seems to be like finally the man is initiating sex as he is supposed to <laughs> in the final scene here you know i really do miss being a lady and i miss being your knight in flabby armor mm -hmm. Ready for a real workout, Marge? Mm-hmm. Good. Can you wax the car? Oh, 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding! 
Yeah. And uh, then the Sting one more time. Once again, yeah. not, I mean, we talked about this, but I miss being a lady. It's just that you. all these things that you would never would have thought twice about if you watched this like a decade ago or, or, or longer, maybe like 15 years ago, they just hit so differently now and it just feels so ugly. Yeah, it's it's much uglier now in feeling. I, again, I don't want to, I, I don't think the intention back then was that horrible, but you know, intention only goes so far. I, again, I, I don't think they do this now at all, but I do kind of wish the last joke was at least maybe Homer could like being picked up by her like you know what me you know you don't have to lose all your arm strength i kind of like being picked up something like that but instead it's like oh you're gonna be a lady again and i'm the man who will initiate sex as is proper in our relationship simpsons is now about gender norms yeah it's it is so reinforcing gender norms again it's like there's a way to do this ending where marge is like you know what i did go too far in body improvement but i should just keep working out but it's also crazy that this is the same season they do this the same season she gets boobs when trying to get liposuction because she's worried she is slightly fat yeah i mean we have cat marge boob marge buff marge all in one broadcast season it's it's the marge transformation season we've hit them all now yeah, it's it's a crazy season. I wish it was at least a little farther from March having big knockers. Like, <laughs> do one or the other. And, the, and I know it's production-wise, it's the previous season. I said broadcast. Sure, I said broadcast. Yes. Yeah, Let the yeah. record no, show. I was saying that for the listeners. Your Honor, yeah, yeah. I said broadcast. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, boy, I this third act, if it, if that needed another rewrite. I think this is, in general, and I'm glad Al Jean can cop to it on the commentary, he gets too sweaty on third acts and goes for, he too often goes for wild swings on a third act instead of the natural story it's like you said bob the ending is when she beats up or gets revenge or reconciles in some way with her mugger that's the natural end to the story so just build up the second act some more and then make that the end of the episode with the mugger yeah yeah i'll reiterate what i said earlier in that like i feel like this could have been a good emotional story about marge overcoming trauma but like you said henry it ends too early and then it's a detour to transphobia town uh, and it's not fun to watch that, uh, especially now. And, you know, it ruins what could have been a good story. And it's also a bunch of transphobia, which uh, I'm not down with. And it just you hate to see a thing you like get that ugly. But uh, yeah, this is a, an unfortunate episode that uh, I would not recommend. Uh, just watch the first two acts. It's a complete story. And then you're done. How about that? If they were to make this episode now, there there'd be an entire thing about Marge just having people on Instagram messaging her posts with like, crush me, mommy. And like everybody <laughs> yes. loves giant lady on Instagram oh. and work out, work out fitness models. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. They didn't know what we'd be into or what people were currently into. They weren't on the internet enough in 2003. They didn't know. Al Jean turns on the internet to see what Simpsons fans are saying about him and then turns it back off again. Doesn't look at anything else. Well, again, I love Al Jean, but we need a PA to teach him how to use his phone and how to post screenshots because whenever I see Al Jean post an image, it's always his entire phone, the entire image of whatever's on his phone. You can always see what, what battery level is Al Jean at? Well, look at the latest picture he posted. You'll see it. We can see the Google search he made to find the picture of an episode that he did. Yes. Oh, yeah. Teach us. Okay. PA on The Simpsons. Teach Algene about Frankiac as well. I think he would really love it if he knew how to use it. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to help him. We're trying to help Al. (laughs) But uh, yes, thank you for listening to this episode, folks. If you want to support the show and get all these episodes one week ahead of time and ad free, please go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Sign up for five bucks a month to get just that, but also access to everything behind that $5 paywall. That includes over 150 full-length miniseries episodes covering things like The Critic, Mission Hill, Batman the Animated Series, Futurama, and 
and King of the Hill. And that five bucks a month also gets you regular monthly access to new episodes of both Talking Futurama and Talking of the Hill. And the second you sign up at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, you can get all the content we've made at that level for the past six plus years instantly. It's a ton of podcasts that I'm sure you'll love if you love listening to our main podcast. So check it out at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And there is a $10 level as well. And when you sign up for that, you can access all of the $5 stuff naturally, but then you can also access one mega long podcast once a month only for patrons of that level or higher. And what is that, Henry? Bob's talking about our What a Cartoon movie podcast where we talk about an animated feature film as in-depth as we do a season 14 episode of The Simpsons, often for over four, five, or even six hours long. Last month, we covered the anime classic of 1986, Project Aiko. And at the end of this month, we're going back into the live-action world of Muppets for The Muppets Christmas Carol, another total classic and perfect to set up for the holiday season. And we've done five whole years of What a Cartoon movie, over 200 hours of what a cartoon movie at your fingertips everything from akira to a goofy movie is right there for you sign up today to even hear our longest podcast ever six and a half hours about who framed roger rabbit it's all there and the five dollar things bob mentioned at patreon.com slash talking simpsons so I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo, and my other podcast is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast all about old video games. You can find that podcast wherever you find your normal podcast or go to patreon.com slash retronauts and sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month. And by the way, I have a book that's now out in digital and physical format. It is the Boss Fight Books volume all about the classic point-and-click adventure game Day of the Tentacle. I put together a very in-depth oral history on the making of that game for its 30th anniversary you can find that Boss Fight Books volume about Day of the Tentacle wherever you find books, Amazon, local bookstores. Just search it out and I'm sure you'll find it. And I'll thank you for buying a copy. And Henry, how about you? You can follow me on most social media as at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G or an IG as Talking Henry. And of course, if you're following me and Bob on social media, please follow the official Twitter account. Please follow the official social media accounts at Talk Simpsons Pod. At Talk Simpsons Pod keeps you in the loop whenever new podcasts come out, whenever there's stuff on the Patreon, even when we have live shows going on. Perhaps we even tell you about the live shows before they sell out. And if you didn't see it on social media, you'd miss out on getting tickets. So you should be following at Talk Simpsons Pod everywhere. And of course, head over to TalkingSimpsonsPodcast.com for an easy to explore list of all of our previously released free podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you again next time for Season 4's New Kid on the Block. And we'll see you again. I got plenty to read. Ooh, Twilight Zone magazine. Oh, no, my glasses are broken.